Hey, thanks for clicking on the video. This is going to be another episode of SNTR Gaming News covering the Final Fantasy 16 release date update right from Yoshi. We'll be combing through the announcement and things he said, what you can look forward to next year in light of the disappointing news. Right here on the front of the stream, we give you the goods. We comb over basically the update and then we have about a three-hour stream to follow. So if you like this kind of content, be sure to hit subscribe and the bell button so that way you don't miss these live streams. This is an SNTR update. Final Fantasy 16 getting delayed in an announcement at the end of the year in 2021. Not the news people wanted to hear, but a very, very honest and transparent message from Yoshi on Twitter. We're going to comb over the highlights of this for you in this video. If you like these SNTR updates, hit subscribe and the bell button, or check me out on SNTR Gaming, where I stream this live. I might be streaming right now. So, the producer, Naoki Yoshida, delivered a message on Twitter. Now, they had promised more info late 2021. So, folks were hoping in the late stages of 2021 to get more information about this game, and he has said that is not possible due to the sicky as we call it the the you know the thing the global situation that's driving people to work from home those complications had made that something that they cannot do the game's development has been delayed by almost half a year according to this announcement having to decentralize their workforce quote hampered communication from the Tokyo office so like many developers finding their way in the wake of 2020 is still having its effects on the game's build process. The, this led, this situation with having to decentralize their workforce, it led to delays or even cancellations of asset deliveries because you got to send in your work and that didn't happen or happened in an untimely way. Now, their goal for 2022, there's a lot of things coming. They're going to do a forthcoming announcement. They said that much of 2021 was spent addressing these problems. The 2021 issues of decentralizing their workforce and communication breakdown. So in the new year, they want to focus on a bunch of different stuff. So it's sad to think that simultaneous while they're trying to build a game, they're also having to solve the logistical problems of even wanting to build the game. And they did that in a way in 2021 to enable 2022 to be more expeditious and efficient they are going to increase graphic source quality i'm sorry resource quality they're going to refine combat mechanics they want to flesh out individual battles finishing touches on cutscenes, and overall graphical optimization so their goal in 2022 is basically to get to work it's kind of unfortunate that they had to spend 2021 getting themselves in a position that this work is possible now obviously this level of transparency and candor is both comforting and generally very accepted by the final fantasy community they always have felt that they are communicated in a way that is respectful and and full of honesty and transparency this obviously does not change the reality that this game will likely not land in 2022 and landing in 2023 if at all possible will be very very late Launch, given that they said the game's de- development and delivery has been delayed by almost half of a year, that can tend to compound itself over time if you consider the fact that they had to decentralize their workforce in addition to basically saying the game's delivery has been significantly delayed. They did promise, however, that in the spring of 2022, that will be their next big 
reveal. So while we wait for the game to be developed and hope that a lot of their changes made in 2021 leads to better bandwidth and resource allocation and development efficiency, we really hope that is the case for them. We hope that nobody is working under bad conditions or crunch. That's just unhealthy for the industry right now. We hope that then in the spring of 2022, what we were supposed to get end of 2021 is able to be delivered and sort of build that consumer confidence and excitement again about the kind of game that will be delivered. If you like these very quick breakdowns, be sure to check out SNTR Gaming where I streamed this live. Those streams tend to be about three hours. And if you're watching this on SNTR Updates, hit subscribe and the bell button and I'll see you in the next video. And I will see the rest of you right now as we continue the day here with a very, very different subject, but similar game type and genre, uh, breaking down Final Fantasy 16 release date update. Not what people wanted to see uh, if they have been waiting for this game, but obviously people, I think, appreciated the candor. Uh, about the release date announcement and something that I think everybody is, I think, just sort of growing in their sensitivity toward with respect to if you have to decentralize your workforce and your, you know, your, your, suddenly your bandwidth and your efficiency is sort of thrown into upheaval. Uh, that can be obviously exceptionally uh, frustrating. Uh, we need XVI. Where is Final Fantasy? XVI. Don't they have a Twitter account? Uh, they do. Um, so we'll make sure and send our tweet about this coverage out there for all of you that follow us on Twitter. Uh, we greatly appreciate that. And we greatly appreciate everybody riding the redirect over. We had a really, really great morning. If you missed the stream and you're watching this as a past broadcast, we had a really fun stream discussing Ashes of Creation and the Unreal Engine 5 breakdown. Lots of good things in that video. Just looking at all the different content pieces that they have uh, revealed to the community. Uh, tons of new subs from that stream so hopefully you guys enjoyed that if you were new and maybe you're still with us for the afternoon talk show a lot of the times the afternoon we jump into gameplay but today and recently we've been doing a lot more of the double header of two talk shows and we hope that you've enjoyed that I'm actually going to sort of poll the audience here with a new poll interested here Final uh, Fantasy 16 do you plan on playing it just curious how many people are planning on playing this very very basic poll not quite as nuanced as this morning this morning we asked the audience you know do you does the unreal engine 5 sort of sway or change your interest in a game uh is is that something that sways you now i have a couple of articles here for those of you that are interested if we maybe run out of things to talk about we have uh an article from dexerto uh about you know everything we know this far about the setting about the combat about the final fantasy 16 updates from the developer we also have an interview with yoshi p where he talked about this is going to be a more action style game and they asked him you know what if players don't like action games we've got some good things here uh to add to the discussion as well as i'm sure if there are uh uh, plans to play the game from you guys here. Now, someone says, do you have plans to play Final Fantasy 16? I know you guys would love it if I got into Final Fantasy 14, and that's a bit of a different animal and a bit of a, a different discussion. However, Final Fantasy 16 being described as being something that is more action-oriented uh, definitely 
has me interested. Because uh, Yoshi P stated it will focus a lot on both action gameplay and story elements. And for me, that is one of the things that we talked about this morning with Ashes of Creation and New World. I feel like action gameplay is going to become more popular in MMORPGs. Now, I don't know if their aspirations are to make Final Fantasy 16 into an MMORPG. It's supposed to be a flagship JRPG series, which means it will be maybe more contained, potentially live service, but it'll be more action oriented. So the curious the curiosity in me says, you know, do they see 14 as being their MMORPG that will be ongoing? Endwalker has just launched to too much success. Uh, they don't even have enough servers. They had to stop selling the dadgum thing. And then 16 seems like it's going to be more JRPG. Perhaps that means more contained in and more um, more compartmentalized instead of being an MMO. Which means then, did, did it, would they view this as being the, the the live service expression of Final Fantasy, but not in line with the MMORPG stuff they're already doing with 14? Final Fantasy 16 reveal in spring. It might get November or December release next year or 2023. I imagine this game is is very much set to launch in 2023. Klasky says, Final Fantasy 16 is their standard single-player RPG. Okay, I hope they make their next MMO more action-oriented. Yoshi P said that they have the next 10 of Final Fantasy 14 already planned and outlined. So that the next 10 updates for 14 are already planned and outlined. I know people really, really would like me to play uh, 14. I do. I know people really want to see that happen. And uh, I'm not necessarily saying no. But at the same time, you know, that I wonder if when the game gets like a, uh, a full, like full-on reset, if that could be maybe a better time for me to dive in. I think right now would be a really tough time to dive in. I made dinner late because of you. Oh, sorry, Tyler. Man, this morning was really great. Like what a what a turnout, what a what a result and what a great what a great batch of conversations that we had. Really really enjoyed it. I hate for when I forget to type a whole world a word. Oh, he said they have the next 10 years of Final Fantasy 14 already planned and outlined. So, Mike says March of 2023. So Final Fantasy 16 release date of March of 2023 is what Mike's prediction is. Uh, Panoptic says, I will buy 16, but I need more info. I quit the Final Fantasy franchise after 12. I do like Devil May Cry, so I'm curious. They won't reset it, says Kane. I have it on good authority that they have plans to do sort of a reset in Final Fantasy 14, from what, I, from what I've been told. Does plan include post-it notes that say things like chocolate monsters or blackjack? And <laughs> yeah, Zubair, that's exactly what they say. Nexus says, I recommend, I'd recommend the free offering to see if it hooks you, but no pressure if it doesn't. Let, let, me, let me get a little transparent too as a content creator. It's significantly challenging to cover a game like fan, Final Fantasy. Because there's an established community, there's established content creators, and generally people won't support the new guy coming in and covering it. Now that might be a little bit different with 14, given how beloved that title is. The community might love watching some brand new person hack their way through the game. 
I've really enjoyed dipping my toe into New World coverage, Lost Art coverage, and even this morning, the Ashes of Creation stream really gives me high hopes for covering that game. Why? Well, because it's not an established game yet, so there's not this established, like, swath of content creators covering that game. And so, there's always that dilemma. Like, it would be like right now trying to cover the Elder Scrolls Online. I actually think the Elder Scrolls Online is super enjoyable. I, I, I love the look. I love the feel. I think they treat their community very, very well. I'm, I'm, I'm friends with a creator in that community, Aloha Wendy. She's like one of the most charming, sweetest souls in existence. And when we tried to cover it, it just didn't go well. It just didn't go well. It's too saturated as a... Uh, uh, as a game in the content creator world. So I do have to be careful, right? I'm not going to sit here and act like strategy is not a part of what I do every day. We have to think through what's a good fit, what's a good game, what's a good funnel for us to cover because we've niched, we are niching down into MMOs, RPGs, and from software. I think that's a great blend. But I also think we have to be extremely careful to be like, well, I'm going to fully, I'm going to full time cover some game there's like 1800 different content creators already you know chopping the game up new world's been incredibly receptive to my coverage and supportive of it and it seems that both of our lost art gameplay coverage as well as our coverage of ashes of creation this morning that shows a lot of promise right i watch multiple streamers go through the whole story of the game and it doesn't get old seeing a person's reaction throughout their journey is gold says zr well, and that could be that could be the reason to go do it. If people are like, "Oh man, you could do a whole series and hack away at it week after week," you know, that'd be a lifetime of 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 evergreen content. Like, you know, every week we 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 play a little bit longer. It would take a lifetime, though. You know what I'm saying? You're talking about years to get through all that. I figured you wouldn't play Final Fantasy 16. So, why does this topic interest you then? Well, it interests me for a variety of reasons. Number one, it's it's a big big name title that just got delayed and they're talking about how their entire year, not their entire year, a bulk of their year in 2021 was spent decentralizing their workforce and then thus struggling to build the game. I think that's an important topic to cover. I also think Final Fantasy as a as a game and as a genre, it touches down on a lot of what we've been doing recently. Like JRPGs are not that far removed from the from software and the MMORPG, you know, like sort of category that we're placing ourselves in. And so this would just be a catalyst to interact with the Final Fantasy community and just ask them like, okay, what are your thoughts on sort of the different verticals that they build for themselves? They've got the MMORPG in 14. Yoshi P says the next 10 years are planned. 16 is going to be a more traditional action style JRPG. And it has been delayed with an announced, you know, thing for, you know, uh, spring of 2022. I like hearing from communities. I handled Star Wars The Old Republic and Star Citizen very much in this way. Hey, let's chop this up. There's some news about it. What do you think? Convince me. Sell me. Get me, you know, convince me to try this game out, right? People did that with Star Citizen. People have done that with Star Wars The Old Republic. So that's kind of how I look at this in the in the realm of coverage. Um, Forspoken developer raises eyebrows for describing uh, the game's protagonist as having a... Oh, golly. People need to freaking relax. Um, I guess if they would have said that she had a great like what swagger it'd be okay people just need to chill the frick out Final Fantasy XIV's Endwalker was also Yoshi P's first delay if I recall correctly 
he's a meticulous planner and I feel for him with the current state of the world well one of the things that trended with 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 Yoshi P around Final Fantasy like Final Fantasy announcements and news was him crying like that's actually like a suggested search term that's a thing that people are looking for because it's it's like a it's like a testimony to his care passion and concern he's like he cried like he got emotional and people really like that like creatures told me he said you better be very careful when you talk about Yoshi P and I was like oh well why and he's like well this guy's basically like he's he's deity he's somebody said you're supposed to pronounce it deity it's I, I've heard it pronounced both ways I prefer to say deity so he's like he's like he's like deity so it's like you you, you got to be careful talking about him because you're gonna you're gonna run into people that, that are gonna you know ferociously defend him and uh, I've not seen anything that I don't find encouraging I, I find I find his his communication to be uh transparent honest his candor you know it, it's obvious you can tell there's there's just a, a significant element of of frustration I, I don't think anybody would deny that that it is it's not fun to work on a project and have it you know go through these uh these hardships and these struggles especially when you care about the project and you want the project to do well and so does the public you know that the, the public wants the game to to flourish and to and to and to launch it's that really mixed bag of like you care about both things you care about getting to play the game but you also care about the game's quality so you're sort of trying to hold both things equal in your hand like i mean i really want to play this dadgum game and i, I really want it to be good at the same time you know imagine you know, I'm, I've been helping my kids periodically. My daughter's really good at this now, so she doesn't really need help. But, like, putting together a Lego set with your kids, right? And you're you're having a hard time because you know, some of the pieces got misplaced or uh, the lighting in the room isn't that great. And so you're having a hard time putting it together. And, and the time frame that your kid thought it was going to take to build, you said, okay, this should take us about an hour to build. It's a pretty elaborate, you know, Lego set. And you get an hour in, and it's clear that you're not going to be done. And you get into the second hour, and you're, you're, you're nearing finish, right? You're, you're nearing finish. And you got a little bit of time left to polish it and, and get it to where you want it. Now, it'd be a giant disservice to your kid as their strong desire to play with the toy, the Lego set, if that overrode their patience and you're like, fine, here, and you gave them an incomplete set, let's say it was a castle, and the drawbridge doesn't work, and the moat's not complete, and the back wall isn't even finished, so it just is open, and it looks kind of like a mess, it looks sort of like it's a shambles, and that would be a disservice to all the work you did up to that point. And it's challenging, right? Like, your kid really wants to play with it, but you also are trying to foster in your child patience and a desire to see the thing brought to fruition before they pay but before they play with it and video games are very much like that these days like you have this strong desire to play the game but you also want the game to be good you want it to be complete you want it to be done and you don't want to play something that's like half-baked broken or not ready whether it's something like you know cyberpunk or uh, you know, in other games that we've we've talked about and covered, where the game's just clearly not ready for prime time. It, it launched it launched before it was ready, and then you're just irritated. So, the thing that game developers are starting to realize, and this is something that publishers are struggling with, because publishers have you know marketing budgets and projected sales and timelines that need to be met. The thing that that, that the publishers tend to struggle with is they don't see that the frustration with an incomplete product tends to burn hotter 
and for longer than the frustration fires of a delay. A frustration fire around a delay, do you know what happens? People are, and in this case, I think the Final Fantasy community probably isn't even mad. They're like, take all the time you need. They tend to be a little bit more uh, uh, compassionate and empathetic and understanding. They tend to be, they at least seem to be more mature than maybe uh, other other audiences. But generally speaking, let's say they get really, really mad. You know, So let's look at the No Man's Sky situation. So No Man's Sky is gets delayed and people get really angry and people send death threats and they, they act generally just despicable and terrible and like, you know, like they act juvenile, right? And then the game launches. Which anger do you think lasted longer? The anger that was like fiery over a weekend about a delay or do you think that the anger about the game when it launched and it was clearly incomplete and not ready? Which anger do you think burned longer? Like a like a little ember, like a little you know, like a like a like a hot coal that the wind blows and it gets revitalized in its frustration, right? So in this in this scenario, I think people need to remember that. Sure, people are going to say, "Hey, this is really irritating, disappointing, and I'm really angry. And that anger will subside like a week later. Why? Oh, because it's kind of out of their mind and they've moved on to something else to rant and rave about or they're playing some other game. But if you deliver a game that's not ready, well, you know what's going to happen. Every time they boot up the game, they're reminded about it's 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 not readiness they're irritated by it they find it uh, dissatisfying irritating frustrating whatever word you want to assign to it so their anger is provoked more rhythmically more regularly it's maintained by the game's lackluster you know lack of polish or lack of readiness now this quote gets misused a lot right a rush game is forever bad a delayed game is eventually good Somebody said that like that the context of that quote was around the time when like games couldn't be updated. So if you rush the game, it was always bad. You couldn't come back and fix it. And a delayed game, you know, is eventually good or whatever. Some people have said that that quote gets a little misused. I saw that on a tweet, you know, on on this subject, on the Final Fantasy 16 delay. I saw that on a tweet. They're like that quote's being misused because he was originally talking about games that developed and couldn't get updated, right? There was criticism, too, of comments by lead writers who said Frey had fallen through the cracks of society until she was on the verge of prison. Journalists who attended the preview session noted uh, the lack of... Oh, golly. Yeah. Question about your disc plates. Are those that you have the medium or the large? These are large. So there's medium, large, and then extra large is the one that's in, like, four pieces. So this is large. Which is confusing. I don't know why you wouldn't just do small, medium, large, but whatever. This is the large. A Realm Reborn is slow. The real game begins with Heaven's Word. If you play through Heaven's Word, uh, you'll be rewarded. The login queue was overwhelmed and broken, says uh, Klasky. It was a fair complaint on Endwalker's launch. The expansion itself, I've heard there's no complaints on. Sure. It's just fake headline outrage. Yeah, that's what it seems like to me. They're latching on to one of the more anticipated games and trying to create some some fake, you know, nonsense or I don't know. This is this is so common these days. 
Uh, let's see here. What are people saying? Um, I would rather wait to make sure they finish completely, and I mean completely. Uh, the sickie really messed things up. Oh, for sure. Look how Cyberpunk, that was so much more of a problem there. You know what's interesting about Cyberpunk in our observations recently is that Cyberpunk actually fared very well on PC. Go look at the reviews on Steam, like all of them. Uh, and if you compare that to how the game's public reception was, it's a little alarming. And the reason for that is, it's the same reason that the uh, the Batman Arkham Knight really struggled. So right now, if you go to Cyberpunk in Steam, 421,000 reviews, mostly positive, 76%. If you look at the last recent reviews, they're actually lower. That's actually interesting, 75%. So the last 30 days were higher for a while there, and now the last 30 days are 1% lower than the overall rating of 76. That's not that bad. If it would have been a PC-only launch, or a PC and next-gen only launch, I think that game would have, would, have, would have gotten much better treatment from the public and the press. I still think that game had issues that needed to be criticized and addressed. However, because of its old-gen performance was just such an embarrassment and an honest indictment of the marketing then I think that's why they got rightfully taken to task. Um, And I don't know who to blame for that. Somebody should have at some point in time said, listen, we regret to make this announcement, but it is absolutely and fundamentally necessary. This game can simply not launch on old gen. We, 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 we cannot do it in good, in in, in good conscience because it is, it is not going to run at a way that we would consider to be excellent and worthy of purchase. And, you know, as disappointing as this is, it's the right decision for the game and they unfortunately probably would have fared better given the fact that like people would have been like well that's an absolute bummer but then they wouldn't have had such an overwhelming amount of negative press and then the PC version and the next gen versions would have been primarily what people would have focused on and the other thing to consider is the true next gen versions of cyberpunk aren't even out yet if you're tuning in for the final fantasy 16 release date announcement they have announced that the game was delayed for about a half a year and all of the information that we were supposed to be getting final fantasy 16 sort of news was supposed to land end of this year it has now been bumped to the spring of 2020 we read through the announcement from uh, from Yoshi P this morning. Uh, well, I'm sorry, this afternoon about what they want to focus on their goals for 2022. If you have questions, insights, or input on Final Fantasy 16 or Final Fantasy 14, has sort of uh, taken up some of the conversation as well. We have a poll at the top of the chat. Final Fantasy 16. Do you plan on playing it? Almost 200 votes already, so keep casting those votes and keep that poll going. We appreciate you guys being here. This morning we covered Ashes of Creation, the Unreal Engine breakdown. If you missed that stream, you can check that out later. We have some Horizon Forbidden West coverage coming for you this week, as well as good stuff from Elden Ring. So a full, great week of lots of diverse variety coverage for you. If you're a new sub, we'd love to see you and meet you, and you can introduce yourself in chat. Tons of new subs this morning with the Ashes coverage. If you stuck with us for the second show, man, thanks for hanging with us. We greatly appreciate that. We always like to see the second stream get love and and good treatment, so make sure you've smashed the like button and switched over to live chat so you can see all the comments that people are making. Gritter says, I plan on playing Final Fantasy 16 when it comes out. Um, Yeah, yeah, uh, I'm interested because of the action elements. It's a JRPG that's going to focus a lot on action. Now, Yoshi P was questioned about this, 
Uh, and he said that there will be several modes to help players that don't like action games alongside other types of support, uh, simpler controls. So he says here, Final Fantasy has a lot of players who just want to enjoy the story, so we have a mode and things to support players who want to focus on the story. We're of course preparing things like simpler controls too, so there's no need to worry about that front. So it seems they're worried about uh, accessibility, the action elements, as well as the story elements. Valiant says, I wonder if they crunched the numbers and felt like they stood to make a real uh, loss without launching on old gen. Although, considering how many refunds and how it was taken off stores would be kind of ironic. Yeah, and the loss of uh, share value, stock value, was very, very damaging. Um, And then they were sued by by their shareholders. So, I bet investors wouldn't have liked it condensing condensing potential sales uh, let's see here from taking away from last gen for cyberpunk. Well, and that's, that's always the, 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 the issue in these, uh, in these scenarios, isn't it? The issue is, do you take the, do you take the, the, the sort of the immediate pain or the ongoing pain? Sadly, they chose the ongoing pain, like launching on old gen, having to issue refunds and having to deal with the fallout of the public and, and being removed from the storefronts and then, you know, stock value dropping. That was long term pain, right? So when you look at a game like Final Fantasy 16, if Final Fantasy 16 gameplay is really, really good, but the game itself is just is just in a shambles because of everything they had to do in 2021. Well, then that's not worth it. Final Fantasy 16, the the update that we got, he basically says they spent most of 2021 or a, a large portion of 2021 essentially building infrastructure systems and the decentralization of their workforce so that in 2022 the game can flourish and grow, which is why the game's been set back. They when they had to decentralize their workforce, what they ended up with was assets that were either not delivered, right? Um, assets that were either not delivered or uh, delivered late delivered late right um, if you follow Ashen of Crea- Ashes of Creation on Twitter they automatically DM you they say hey friend this is Sam I'm reaching out to see if you'd be interested in participating in and streaming early oh maybe not this might be an actual genuine uh, thing Streaming early access for Ashes of Creation Apocalypse. After checking out your awesome content and the amazing community you've built, we've thought you'd be a great fit. Oh. Apocalypse is our free-to-play online battle arena game, which combines the action combat of Battle Royale with the fantasy elements of RPG. You can check out the trailer here. We've also launched... Oh. Well, that's a genuine... Okay. Well, that's good. Sorry, I thought it was like a bot message. I was like, oh, they like automatically message you if you follow them. No, they must have liked the coverage today. That's cool. <laughs> Sam's one of their community managers. Yeah, that's cool. I thought it was just an automated response. Like I, I was like, I was checking my DMs on Twitter and I was like, oh, I got a DM from Ashes of Creation. Um, cool. Anyway, that was definitely... Hear that, hear that, y'all, says Zubair. We're amazing. I credit the coffee for that. <laughs> yes, it's all it's it's all attributed to you guys and the coffee. I get I get zero I get zero credit. So thank you for everybody who tuned in this morning, both as a as a as a longtime supporter or maybe somebody brand new. Uh, that's awesome. Um, I think your stream this morning got picked up 
uh, by the YouTube algorithm gods. Oh, it did. It did. It was very strong. <laughs> it was very strong. I was watching the numbers. I was like, whoa, hold on to your hats. We're going. We're going. Uh, YouTube is such an interesting animal. I'm very excited for 2022. If you guys like watching live streams on YouTube, there are good things coming next year. So buckle up. I'm very, very excited and glad for you guys to be here uh, today covering this morning Ashes of Creation. But now we're covering the Final Fantasy 16 release announcement about the delay. And, you know, I got some interview, you know, points here with Yoshi about uh, the different elements of it being an action game. And what about the story? You know, so, so Yoshi says this about the story. There's really not more I can say for now. I'm part of the generation that has been playing Final Fantasy since its beginning at release. I'm almost 50 years old, so I've experienced a lot of things in my life. I want to make games that even those who know about how hard life can be at times can still enjoy. The kind of distress you experience after you've become an adult. That's what made me strive for in Final Fantasy XIV and the story of the Warrior of Light. I think Final Fantasy XVI will be a fantasy for those who grew up with Final Fantasy, but also know the harsh reality of the word world. I can't tell you more, or I'd get yelled at. He, I can see why people like him. Even in written form, he seems so... He seems so genuine. <laughs> like, to, to make a story about that you want people that have been through hardship to relate to, I, um, I like that, especially after all that I've, uh, I've had to kind of experience and go through. That's, I think that's cool. Um, to, to, to make a story that's meant to be more, uh, meaningful and impactful than just another, just another video game story. Um, I don't know. I like that. I like his. I like his phrasing. I like his posture in that answer. That's cool. I hadn't read that before just now. Um, so, people that know the harsh reality of the world, he uh, he seems he seems awake. You know, I like I like people like that. Uh, any plans to finish Metroid Dread? I'm six hours into it and so addictive. I'd have to start over. I tried playing. And I didn't know what in the heck was going on. It's not a game you can like pick up a month later. I know you said you used to be a numbers guy, but the gamer in you has to love seeing the score go up. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit, Ashen. We've made a lot of... Uh, we've made a lot of tough decisions, and there's more on the way. Just wait till what you, wait till you see what we do to our big channel. <laughs> wait till you see what we do to our big channel. This show, this show and this channel over here, screaming to 10k subs, man. It, it's, uh, it's, this, this channel's showing a lot of promise. So thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, isn't that the goal of a lot of video game stories some deeper meaning well you could get into a uh, man this could get deep you could get into sort of the I've noticed this recently in games so I don't know if this is true of Final Fantasy or Final Fantasy 16 or Final Fantasy 14 so if you're a fan of, if you're a fan of Final Fantasy chime in here if, I, if I'm tracking with a trend in, in game storytelling I have sensed, and this is true in cinema as well, I have sensed an almost eschatological uh, focus in stories, in games, and in movies. And what I mean is a focus on, like, the end of all things, right? So, in religious circles, the idea of, like, the, the eschaton, the idea of, like, the end of all, the end times, the end of all things is a huge focus in in many many religious circles and i believe that cinema and gaming is starting to focus on this this is why that you have movies like interstellar you have zombie movies you have apocalyptic movies are growing 
in their popularity because that is something that people are being, I think, more open to considering about meaning in life. What are we here for? What are we supposed to be doing? And what are we going to do when everything kind of goes bad? Right? So microcosmically in your life, things can go horribly awry and bad. A death in the family, a tragedy, a sickness, Suddenly you are, you know, you're in a car accident and you lose a limb or something. And so things can go so tragically wrong microcosmically. And I think what it does is it gives us a view of like ultimate reality that eventually everything's going to go bad. Even if you think just as far as in nature alone, whether or not you believe in a closed system, like the sun will eventually explode. Not in, not in a time where we will be around or even our children's 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 children will be around, but still... We, we, we sense we sense that our own life will come to an abrupt or, or terrible end potentially and we sense that reality will also come to an abrupt and terrible end potentially and so movies like Interstellar or apocalyptic movies or movies about zombies are generally taking sort of an eschatological look at like what would it be like for humanity to face the end of all things okay and I believe that video games are starting to do that. They're starting to say, life is hard, it's full of tragedy, it's, it's full of sadness, and yet it's also full of meaning and beauty. And so, how do you hack through the darkness and get to the meaning and beauty? And generally, that's been sort of the, the journey of, of the gamer all this time. Is that when you play a game... The, the courage to go out into the unknown and go out into the, the darkness and face it with bravery and to rescue the, the, the downtrodden or to just defeat the darkness so that the world is restored. Some games, right, the, the world is shrouded in darkness and you rescue that world, whether you're playing like Ori in the Blind Forest, Cain of Bridge of Spirits, or like The Legend of Zelda. This is a very, very common theme in games. But what's happening is, is it's becoming less... I It's becoming less thematic right the the, the themes of these things in old games right the themes of the big bad dragon that has to be slain the dragon and I'm, I'm, I'm borrowing a little bit from Jordan Peterson here right the dragon and the chaos of the world's out there and it's scary and awful and to go out and to, uh, to, to attack it and fight it is 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 woven into our stories and our existence right and it's more thematic I think if you go back to like old stories but I think what's happening now in both movies, TV shows, and video games, is it's becoming more character-driven. And that's far more impactful because you identify and empathize and even maybe see yourself in the character who's experiencing the, the hardship, the loss, the tragedy, and has to push through anyway and be, and be brave and courageous and to, and to face and fight back the darkness. So because we have shifted from thematic storytelling in video games that's more generic but still cool right it's one thing to go play like an old video game where thematically and in a bit of a generic way there's a character there's a dragon there's victory right now it's less thematically driven and it's more character driven which what ends up happening is is then your psyche and your identity and your personhood more fully integrates with the game and then you feel as if you're experiencing the sorrow and the sadness and the darkness if you play a game like the first last of us or hellblade these are existential experiences these are experiences that stick with you and you remember them the, the, the turns in the stories where someone betrays you where someone 
you know, helps and rescues you, these moments are becoming, I think, more impactful and memorable because we feel as if we're experiencing it ourselves. So I think this is one of the reasons when I see something like this, I believe it's becoming more potent. It's becoming more potent and more, and, and more, it's, it's, it has more of an impact on you because it's far more personal to feel like you went through the valley of death and came out on the other end because you might have walked through the valley of death in your own life and then it very much lands on you going through everything I've gone through I watch shows now the end of It's a Wonderful Life is so more meaningful to me now I cry at the end of that movie I I didn't used to cry at the end of It's a Wonderful Life but but the story has such a deeper impact and meaning now because of the life that I have lived. So if you've lived a life, and this is oh, this is so much more interesting now as well, because if you think about the age demographic of gamers, we have aged along with the gaming industry, and we have now lived a life that has experienced loss and sadness and tragedy. That wasn't true when you were 10 and 15. Not nearly as common when you were playing Nintendo and you were playing these old games. Why? Because you were so much younger, but the gaming populace age has has grown with gaming. So now we're in our late 20s, 30s, and 40s, and we've suffered loss and buried relatives and had things not go the way that we want them, and so we more strongly identify with the loss and the darkness and the sorrow in the games which is why I continue to say we are in the golden age of gaming because the games are actually hitting a level of quality and substance and longevity that they never hit before but they're also hitting a level of meaningfulness and storytelling that we can enjoy in a deeper way because we've lived life right I've never thought about this before. I just, that was just off the top of my head about how gamers are older now, which means we're more prone to identify with sorrow and loss and family life and, and, and things like the opener of, of the last of us. That's just fun to think about. <laughs> Why are we talking about this? I don't, I don't know. Cause Final Fantasy 16 is apparently going to have a story according to Yoshi P that he wants to make games for people that understand, you know, the hardship of life and how hard things can be. And I think that's very admirable and cool. And I don't know. I think the reason that it's it's becoming um, more prominent, more potent is because the gamers looking are looking for that. We're looking for meaning. We're looking for something to be more impactful. Uh, it's one of the reasons that uh, it's one of the reasons that I think the Marvel movies were so successful because we grew up reading comics and they were very very you know two dimensional very cliche very stereotypical a lot of the times but the storytelling of the Marvel movies is very very driven by the characters and the emotions of the moment there's very potent moments in these movies so going back and playing older story-driven games definitely hits harder as you age sure sure sean says that's an interesting thought lono i would also add that the shift from thematic to character-driven stories is somewhat responsible for the increasing urgency for diverse representation in fiction oh golly sean you know i love you but we talked about well there's no but there i love you Uh, that's actually man oh man so oh golly we talked about this a little bit yesterday in that 
so uh, Lost Ark being westernized and brought over to America and taking main characters and changing what they look like to make you know to have more diversity and representation I believe there is genuine diversity that is born out of a desire to tell a very very good story that that has in it diversity I think a good example of this would be uh, Deathloop good example of this just very cool story super creative and super gifted voice actors here's a game right with lead lead um, protagonists a protagonist and an antagonist that are uh, both uh, persons of color that's cool right now I also believe that there is a pitfall of what I called diversity dust just sprinkling diversity dust on your game to either win points or make people think that something that you're doing is like good and valiant and and worthy of praise right one is genuine and the other is superficial and it's extremely hard to determine which is which it's extremely hard to determine which is which what we have to do i think is rather than push for the ham fisting of diversity what we have to ask for is just make really really good stories and characters across the spectrum as opposed to can you take your really really good and successful game and can you sprinkle diversity dust on it I think there's a giant difference between the two one is extremely meaningful and organic and important and the other is superficial and ineffective and if you don't if you don't slice this and see the difference between the two I think we gain very little because what we'll end up doing is we'll let games get away with the superficial diversity dust and not the genuine, authentic, organically grown and told stories that will impact a generation. Make no mistake, in 25 years, there is going to be a very, very different zeitgeist schema worldview in the gaming community about women and uh, minorities and their representation in games. It's going to change. Now, right now, there was an article that was getting a lot of flack for its 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 sort of uh, naive understanding of gaming in that, oh, we're so glad to have Aloy not looking like a supermodel, you know, having a strong female uh, protagonist. It's like, you've been asleep if you think she's like the first. There are plenty of really dope, well-written, super strong female lead games out there this isn't the first and it certainly won't be the last it's disingenuous and honestly stupid to act like well this is the first and so do you see the danger there this is somebody focusing on something to such a degree that they end up being narrow and inaccurate in their reporting and they were they were rightfully taken to task for it I'm saying that I think the shift has made people want it more uh, what Hollywood and the industry has done with that desire is a whole different thing. Yes. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. Fostering a desire is such a better inroad for empathy. If I if I have a desire to... So this happened to me with, um, with the Tomb Raider games. So I grew up, you know, a pretty cliche little boy. You know, I love Superman and I got picked on and... I thought, you know, as a kid, I thought girls were gross. And then when I was in high school, I was obsessed with them, right? So I was a very cliche little boy, right? And I always liked and preferred playing games as a big, strong dude because 
I'm not that. <laughs> I'm not that. It's fun to walk around and feel like Rambo and Arnold Schwarzenegger because I'm not that. That's part of what video games are meant to do. It's both escapism, but it's also uh, an expression of, of fantasy and desire uh, and everything else. And so, when I played through the Tomb Raider games, the first two, not the third, Shadow of the Tomb Raider, I think it's the third, and it's awful, but the first two, it really, it really, in a subversive way, it made me want to play games as a super awesome, strong woman. That wasn't something I ever felt before. And what that did was it made inroads for empathy and understanding of like, you know, it's it's been a pretty it's been a pretty tr- sharp trend that you know, women are portrayed in certain ways and they don't get a lot of screen time or when they do get screen time it's in a very particular and sort of cliché stereotypical way. That doesn't mean there haven't been really really strong characters. The reason that article got taken to task is it acted like Aloy was like the first it's like, what are you talking about? Have you seen Senua? Have you seen Samus Aran? Have you seen any of these characters? Like, what are you doing? You're not, you're not paying attention. Did you play Returnal? Um, and so, so it gave me inroads to care about that. And when I was sitting at E3, um, I miss this guy. Unfortunately, uh, we don't really have contact anymore. I thought he was a really nice guy, Okadrian. Uh, I was sitting next to Okadrian at E3, and. Uh, they had a trailer for Deathloop. And I was like, oh, that looked cool. And that was my general thoughts on it. Cool concepts, cool idea, you know, replaying areas and adjusting what you do based on the behavior of the NPCs and time and all that. And Okadrian next to me says, huh, both the main characters in that game were black. And I was like, huh. And I felt like literally in the moment, I felt like a part of my consciousness was raised. I was like, Wow, I'm not in tune with that. I, I don't pay attention to that. Maybe that's really important. Maybe we aren't having enough games with that. Maybe that should be happening. Like, right? Now, that, that doesn't mean I go out and get on a soapbox and campaign and, and browbeat every game that doesn't do this. I think that's the mistake, right? Is, oh, here's another game with, you know, a lead that's this, that looks like this. I don't think that that is uh, at all helpful. But it definitely raised my consciousness. I was like, oh, and I told him, I said, I love being around people who raise my consciousness about something. I was just really unaware of this. And that's why I thought, okay, this could be really important. Similar things happened around the um, the release of Black Panther and why I thought that was just such a well-told story, well-made story, and why it was so important within the history of uh, cinema and superhero movies and why it was such an important movie. But what this doesn't mean, though, is then you go and you get like, a, a baseball bat and you sprinkle diversity dust on it and you just go around and start hitting games with it like come on bam put this in your game bam that's not I don't think the, the, the appropriate way um, to do it right so yeah I also think uh, Ghost of Tsushima has, has played a role in me desiring to have experiences of other people, persons, and cultures just playing through Ghost of Tsushima and listening to the Japanese language and, and seeing uh, the island and the customs and the clothing and, and what, what the characters ended up becoming invested in and caring about. It really, really was, a, I think it was almost like, a, it wasn't, it wasn't, but it was almost like a spiritual experience. I was like, this is actually so good, you know, this is so meaningful and, and, and so excellently told. It's beautiful, right? Um, so, yeah. 
I think those things are important. But I also think it's important like in a game like Final Fantasy or even Lost Ark, if you bring it to the West, I would argue leave it alone. Don't change what the characters look like. Don't change their appearances. Don't make them look Western. Don't change their skin tone. If it's a game full of fair-skinned, you know, Asian Asian pe- persons, that's totally fine. That is that that's the what how the game was uh, built. You manage to enjoy the game uh, and empathize with the characters without being Japanese. Right. And I think that is so that's so key. I think that's the key that is missing. I think the arts and gaming will be the key. This has been a huge subject recently, right? Like the polarization of society and the lack of empathy and discord. Discourse. Do you know what I think the key to unlocking some of this is and getting people to see other perspectives and maybe maybe reach across and, and, and have empathy and sympathy for people that they might, you know, disagree with or maybe they traditionally feared these, you know, the 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 others, right? I honestly think it's going to be the arts. I think it's going to be movies and books and stories and TV shows and video games. I think they're all going to play a vital role in in the culture going through this evolution of there's been a rise in dissatisfaction with the polarization in the discourse, right? And I think game games will play a role in cooling the temperature in the room and making people say, maybe I don't have enough empathy and sympathy for people from maybe this part of the world or this walk of life. And so when Yoshi P for Final Fantasy 16 for the story, he says, I want to make games that people that know a hard life and that people that know the harsh reality of the world, man, he's talking, he's talking about reality. He's not talking about fantasy anymore. This is reality. The fabric of reality. It's the world is, it's harsh and life is life is life can be terrible and full of misery and if a video game can hit you in a way like if Final Fantasy 16 gameplay hits you in a way where the story feels impactful and meaningful well man that that can be a very a very good thing that can be something that is more memorable than just another game i've never met a person who didn't like the trilogy because they didn't see well but the thing is though is the reason for that is that's such a that's such a classic story, right? I don't think anybody's ever argued that that like, oh, we need to go back and take all these stories and sprinkle. I, well, actually, I wouldn't say that nobody's argued it. I think people argue it, and I think they argue it to their peril. I think they argue it to their peril. I, I, I like going going into the Lord of the Rings and trying to say, well, it's th- just you know everybody's too fair skinned. That's just you're you're that's just utter foolishness. It's to misunderstand what what the story's origin was and what it was about. You know, it's it's a complete it's a complete misunderstanding. It would be like doing the same with the main characters in the Chronicles of Narnia. Well, it was written at a, it was written in a time and a space. They were they were British children. You know, so. They look and sound a certain way. There's nothing wrong with that, you know. Yo, good morning, Mo. We go from wanting to be unique and special to being told we aren't going uh, through this alone. Yes, yes. Talk about good stories in Final Fantasy, says Greenside. What about Final Fantasy IX? Uh, Vivi's story is so good, and one of the reasons he's my favorite character and why I named my little girl her name. Oh, really? Well, really? My point is, is that a good story transcends uh, race and gender biases. 
Of course it does. Of course it does. But what that doesn't mean, though, is that we should deprioritize representation. So what you're saying is true. If I play a really great story like Ghost of Tsushima, there's not a single point where I'm like, well, it's just such a shame that the characters don't look and sound like me. I never say that. Why? Because it's a great story. Truth be told, I don't really look like anybody in the Lord of the Rings except maybe Aragorn when my hair was long. Everybody else, that doesn't look like me. You look like the dwarf. Shut up about the short jokes. You see what I'm saying? Like, your axiom doesn't doesn't negate or minimize the importance of representation. Does that make sense? You should never take something that is exist already pre-existing. Here's a great story. And then, like I said, you get out a baseball bat and you sprinkle diversity dust on it and you just hit the you hit the movie. Wham! Let's get, you know every ethnicity we can in the Lord of the Rings. Well, that would be stupid. That wouldn't be helpful. That would be, as I said, that's superficial. It's on the surface. It's not real, right? What's better is to say, good stories matter more than anything. So if you prize representation, then combine the two. Tell a really great, amazing, fresh new story with representation baked in. That's how that's how you do it. That's how you do it. Yeah, you don't do it because we need to hit a quota. You do it because it's part of the fabric of the story. Th- that's exactly right. That's exactly right. It, it, it doesn't need to be out of some need or some superficial desire. I think that's the point that I'm trying to make. I want to look like Legolas. Sure. <laughs> sure. Final Fantasy IX is a special game, and the rumors that it's getting a remake makes me so happy, says Wheezy. Oh, there's a Final Fantasy IX remake rumor floating around? You'd either be a hobbit or a part of Rohan. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that's totally fine. In the same way that they're, you know, they're making a Ghost of Tsushima movie, and I'm telling you what right now, they better freaking film it and write it in Japanese, or I'm going to be really dadgum irritated. I'm, I'm being dead serious. If they do Ghost of Tsushima in a movie, it better be in Japanese. I'll be so angry if not. It won't work. It will not work otherwise. I am, I am strongly against that movie being filmed and shot in English. That would be such a disservice to the game and the people and the island. So Eternal's diversity is too much. I've not watched it. I, I I didn't say that diversity is wrong. I said brute forcing diversity is wrong. I call it diversity dust. You're just sprinkling it on the surface. It's not genuine or real. It's fake. There's a difference between Miles Morales and Peter Parker. Why? Different characters, different backstories, different home lives. One grew up in what? In the Bronx and one grew up in Harlem, right? You're creating different characters. It would have been totally different to be like, well, we just decided to make Peter Parker black. That wouldn't have been genuine diversity. That would have been superficial. Do you see? I think Peter Parker and Miles Morales is the best example. You created a super cool, awesome character, and he's just from somewhere else in the city, and he's got a different backstory, home life, all of this. Just the feel in Miles Morales as a game is cool because it feels dramatically different than Peter Parker. That's what you should shoot for. 
not just well we pressed a button in the graphics and now Peter Parker's black that's not genuine diversity that's superficial does Aunt May live in Queens Peter was from Queens I'm sorry I'm sorry Captain America was from the Bronx yeah Peter Parker is from Queens uh, Cap's from the Bronx and then Miles is from Harlem I'm asking, a lot of people didn't like that all of them were conveniently different races. I would have to know the reason for it. Was it based on actual genuine backstories and character arcs, or was it just done to please checkboxes? I guess that would be my question. I don't know enough about Eternals to commentate on on whether or not that was superficial and, and, and silly, or whether or not it was good and, 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 and faithful and well thought out and well built and well told. If you're tuning in for Final Fantasy 16 release date news, we combed over Yoshi P's announcement about the game and what happened in 2021 and what their goals are heading toward into uh, 2022. Uh, we appreciate you tuning in. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Huh. Um, do you even marvel? I, I, I don't have time a lot of the times. I don't. You like Eternals? Cap's from Brooklyn. Oh my gosh, I got it all wrong. Not the Bronx, Brooklyn. Who's from Brooklyn? I'm sorry, who's from the Bronx? Who am I thinking of? Cap's from Brooklyn. Peter's from Queens. Miles is from Harlem. Who am I thinking of that's from the Bronx? Isn't there a character... I swear that's a line in one of the movies. Somebody says something about the Bronx. Maybe I'm just supplanting Bronx over Brooklyn. Me, I'm from the Bronx. That's it. It's Wheezy. It's Wheezy. Okay, so Sven posted a picture in the Discord. It looks to me like they were faithful. Hang on, I gotta open the picture. Discord's doing this stupid scaling crap. Um... Yeah, other than Cersei having 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 the wrong outfit on, it looks like they got it right. Oh, maybe Ajax become being Selma Hayek is a pretty big departure. Oh, is it that they made some of the male characters and female? I mean, that happens all the time in these game in the in these not games. I'm sorry, movies and shows. It looks right to me. Other than it does look like they departed a couple of male characters. It looks like became. They changed them into female characters, which I think within comic books is not that abnormal. I don't think that's 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 I don't think that's strange to do that. Big criticism was making uh, Fastos gay character. Personally, don't see an issue with it. Is Daredevil from the Bronx? Yeah, maybe I'm thinking of Daredevil. Is where's Daredevil from? Is that what I'm thinking of? Daredevil Bronx. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm getting I'm getting filming locations, and they did Bronx, they did Brooklyn, they did Queens. Yeah, I don't know. Daredevil's from Hell's Kitchen. That's right, Hell's Kitchen. Yeah, he's not from the Bronx either. I must just be confusing. I'm literally just confusing Bronx and Brooklyn. That's got to be what it is. No Marvel characters from the Bronx. Yeah, that's what it is. That's what it is. Yep. I was just confusing Brooklyn and Bronx. 
Uh, if you guys haven't taken the poll yet or hitting hitting the like button yet, do me a favor and uh, and do that. Appreciate you guys tuning in for our second show of the day. We are uh, enjoying seeing the results here. 345 votes, almost an hour into the stream, an hour into the poll. Final Fantasy 16, do you plan on playing it? Uh, make sure and take that poll at the top of the chat. Simple yes or no. Uh, we got people in chat that were trying to convince me to get into Final Fantasy 14. I was reading through some interview points here from uh, from Yoshi as he did an interview about Final Fantasy 16. Uh, it was a radio interview he did. Uh, he talked about his own past experiences with games, most notably Street Fighter 3 Third Strike, and he spoke about Final Fantasy 14 and shared some tips for those aiming to become game developers themselves. Yoshi P also shared his current musical moods and how he regularly listens to BTS songs like Dynamite. It cheers him up while driving to work through these rough times with the uh, global sick sicky situation. You're thinking of the scene in Civil War when Cap asks Spider-Man where he's from and he says Queens and Cap says Brooklyn. That's what it is. That's what it is. That's the scene I'm thinking of. And I got I got well off the path <laughs> and thought somebody was from the Bronx. Um, what kind of game is 16 supposed to be? Uh, Final Fantasy 16 is supposed to be a more action-oriented JRPG. So it is not... Um, it is not from. It is not going to be like an MMORPG like Final Fantasy fourteen. Apparently, no one is from the Bronx. Nobody protects the Bronx or Staten Island. So there's two locations in New York I could have picked that were totally ba- like erroneous and wrong, and I I did. I, I picked the Bronx. Robert says I grew up on turn base, but I can't really play them anymore. Now we covered that a little bit this morning in our Ashes of Creation coverage about how that game is going t- toward a more action-based combat style as opposed to the traditional MMO like tab-based and Final Fantasy going more towards the action style as opposed to turn-based. Uh, Wheezy saying from Final Fantasy 12 up, it has been non-turn-based. Now apparently. Couldn't you turn that on in most of these games, though, if you wanted? What was that called, Wheezy? You don't have to, but if you want to, if you want traditional, like, slow the action down and tell each individual person what to do, that was something you could do in um, in the last two Final Fantasies I played. The remake of Seven, and then whatever the one I played with the guys that look like they're all in a, a boy band together, all wearing black leather at the beginning and pushing the broken down car. Um... Brendan says, we take care of ourselves in the Bronx. The good thing about Final Fantasy XIV is you can take your time and play it as an RPG MMO more than an MMORPG until you eventually catch up to the current patch. I would love to see you play it more than maybe once or twice a week, maybe. Yeah, there's people that really would like me to do that. They would like me to play through Final Fantasy XIV gameplay. Final Fantasy XVI gameplay piqued my interest because it would be an action-based JRPG that could be played and then put down. In Final Fantasy VII Remake, they had a classic mode. Right. You could, like, play and, like, tell everybody what to do and then, like, unpause. Ironically, Stan Lee himself was raised in the Bronx. That's right. That's right. Techno put that in in, in chat. Uh, yeah. They named a street after him, apparently.
Have you seen Riot Settlement for 80 million? Yep. Yeah. So they didn't they didn't do non-disparagings. They're just like, alright, we'll settle, we'll pay you a ton of money. Yeah, just so we're clear, Final Fantasy 16 is not a continuation. It is a different story, different world, different setting, all of that. Yeah. It's its own encased story. 100%. That's something people need to be careful of when they get into these games. They think everything's connected, and it's like, no, a lot of the times that is just not, that is not the case. I'm a Bronx native myself. Grew up near Yankee Stadium. Oh, well, uh, good for you. Um, we have a really, really, really good premiere, uh, that is going to, um, hit this afternoon on presents about the purple platforms, DMCA ticking time bomb. Um, and man, is it interesting what's going on over there? I wonder how that video will perform today. I'm kind of jumping on the subject. Not a lot of people have talked about it. Robert says, talk about games with a slow start. Final Fantasy 13 was one of the worst for like four hours. Wheezy says, some of the enemies are the same, like the Marlboros ETC, but Final Fantasy 16 has no connection to Final Fantasy 15. Playski says 13 was a hallway simulator, 15 had a jumbled story, and hopefully 16 comes out right. Nice. Um, Here's to see how anything performs over there after last night. What happened last night? Um... Will you cover Strange of Stranger of Paradise Final Fantasy Origin at least just for the laughs? I don't know. You unlisted 10 million views. <sighs> I felt a great disturbance in the force. <laughs> As if suddenly millions of voices cried out. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> shake it out. Got to follow the words of my girl Tay Tay. We got to just shake it out. Mm. Walk it off, son. <laughs> uh-huh. uh. Walk it off, son. You'll be all right. You'll make it. If there's one thing I've learned, if there's one thing I've learned, it's that we can take really drastic measures and it'll be okay. Whew.
Rub some dirt on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wish I gave those fighting games more time, says Robert. They were kind of fun. What? So there's like, is, is there like an entire like branch of Final Fantasy that go, went out and got into like fighting games? I didn't realize this. This is news to me. A 956 to a 966 in one day. Gee, many Christmas. Guys, 10, 10K subs. It's within reach. It's within reach, baby. Really was hoping that would happen before. That might happen. It might. If Thursday and Friday. Who? I'm not, I'm not going to jinx it. I'm not going to jinx it. But hitting 10K subs before January 1 would be so dadgum good. Yeah. <laughs> uh. It's because I was asking if there could be some Final Fantasy multiverse game. Oh, right, right, right. I had you on the background the other day and my wife joked, hey, didn't they cancel that guy? Well, at least she's at least she's strong enough to keep your the, you in line. Golly. She sounds like she sounds like she's perfect for you. Hopefully she doesn't put up with your nonsense. <laughs> I think more subs you need. A little over three hundred. I apologize for all of us invading the chat with Final Fantasy 14. Well, Creature warned me. He's like, listen, listen, you're going to try to cover, cover Final Fantasy 16. He's like, no one's going to care. He's like, no one's going to care. He's like, they're all going to want to talk Final Fantasy 14. <laughs> Maybe someday in the future, I'll do a stream of like Final Fantasy 14, you know, convince me to play. And that'll be the talk show. <laughs> he, he tried to warn me. The new Final Fantasy is the story of the antagonist on our final AMC original trade as protagonist storyline. What? There is a Final Fantasy multiverse game. It's called Decedia. Isn't that? Yeah, that's that's what uh, uh, Wheezy said that a little bit ago. Sedia is very much for people who play the series. There isn't too much talk about 16 right now, is there? Other than the announcement that just happened yesterday, that's why we wanted to cover it. We thought it would be we thought it would be newsworthy to be like, hey, they just came out and addressed the public. Uh, Naoki Hamaguchi talks about the pressure facing developers with Final Fantasy 7 Remake Part 2. I just thought it just didn't age. It just didn't contextualize itself well. It was really hard to play if you weren't a fan.
Talking about Forbidden West. In the realm of old gen holding something back? You weren't aware there was an announcement? Yeah. I can give you a flyover if you're tuning, if you did tune in or click for Final Fantasy 16 release date news. Um, Yoshi P took to Twitter to say that they did promise more info in late 2021, but it wasn't possible due to the sicky complications and the game's development has been delayed by almost half of a year, having to decentralize their workforce, quote, hampered communication from the Tokyo office. This led to, quote, delays or cancellations of asset deliveries. Their goal for 2022 is that much of 2021 was spent addressing these problems so that 2022 could be more profitable and efficient for them. And then the new year they want to focus on increasing graphic resource quality of Final Fantasy 16, refine combat mechanics, flesh out individual battles, finishing touches on cutscenes, and overall graphical optimization. The next big Final Fantasy 16 reveal will be in the spring of 2022. So that's what the announcement indicated. Because very everybody was very much looking forward to like end of the year getting a nice update on 16 and it didn't happen and that's because they spent most of the year not working on the game necessarily but working on their own processes so they could work on the dadgum game in 2022 He had good things to say about Forbidden West. So in an interview about the challenges of the Final Fantasy VII Remake, Naoki Hamaguchi said, Horizon Zero Dawn, the first game of the franchise, left a huge impression on me as a game creator. Uh, I was taken by the deep immersive experience provided by the unbelievable graphics as well as the unique world I found myself in, a future where civilization has collapsed. Yeah, that's another eschatological game, isn't it? What what life would be like after the end of all things. In the sense that the next title is expected to evolve even further, Final Fantasy VII Remake, which I'm in charge of, is expected to do so in the same way. For that, I have personal affinity for Horizon. As a fan, I'm very much looking forward to Horizon Forbidden West. Hmm. That's interesting. That's interesting. We, uh, we obviously are looking forward to Forbidden West. I'm not quite sure what we'll be able to do with it. I mean, one of the main challenges we're facing right now is as we niche, as we niche down, like what games will we be able to cover in a good way, uh, you know, extensive way. There's lots of different ways to approach game coverage and it's tough. It's really, really tough because a lot of these games you got to pour a lot of time into Yusuf says, Lono, do you think this is relevant to what I just said? Will there be any games coming out next year that might be your new main game? We will probably never have a main game. We will have games that we hover around. We hovered around and continue to cover New World. We have hovered around and continue to cover Halo. Uh, We will do the same with Lost Ark. We will do the same with Elden Ring. We We might do the exact same thing with Ashes of Creation. Who knows? 
you know, Final Fantasy fourteen might land in there somewhere. We might have a series where I slowly play through the stories, like once a week. People might just absolutely love that. Just slowly, methodically, and faithfully playing through that story. I don't know. But there will never be a moment where you come to this channel and we're like, Alright guys, we are now an Elden Ring channel. That's just not going to happen. That I think that's just such a terrible, terrible idea in light of everything that's happened to to the community and what we try to do. So if all of a sudden one game goes belly up, gets cancelled, no content, or dry, or whatever, no worries. We got other things we can talk about, other games that we like to cover and, and discuss. No, the Final Fantasy VII remake is not done, Robert Jones. This guy was being interviewed. Um, he was being interviewed about part two. So they did part one, but part two has not come out yet. If you're new and you haven't hit subscribe or the like button, consider doing so. If you've enjoyed today's shows, this morning we talked about Ashes of Creation. Now we're talking about Final Fantasy. You, Final Fantasy 14, 16, all things Final Fantasy. Do me a favor and smash the like button. Get us our first 200 likes. And remember to hit subscribe if you want to be back for more coverage throughout the week. We've got Horizon Forbidden West coverage this week. Uh, there's going to be a lot of Elden Ring coverage, a lot of things going on there as well. Um, I don't think we will talk about the Riot uh, settlement. That doesn't interest me. Um, so There are people right now who come to the channel only on Fridays because they love From Fridays. That's ideal. Yeah, Techno, exactly. Warframe would be a fun game to do that with, but yeah, it just doesn't click with me. When's your next Hellblade playthrough? I don't know, Mo. We honestly need a channel for indulgent gameplay or requests and stuff. You know, people want me to finish... uh, Ratchet requested that I finish Ghost of Tsushima, the Ikishima DLC. Techno requested something. There's also games like that. Like, we need, like, an indulgent channel. I don't want to corrupt this channel with, like, me piddling around in, in, in games that aren't relevant, but it would be fun to periodically do stuff like that with you guys. Um, you should look into Ark Raiders. It looks like it could be a PvE looter shooter. From former DICE developers. Yeah, there's also Project Magnum that looks like it could be pretty good. <clears throat> you need to finish Halo 2. Yeah, that's another indulgent thing that I just can't do. I can't. I, I, I literally can't do that. It would, it would be such a stupid thing to do to like slowly play through the rest of the Halo campaign. And you know what? I want to. I, I was enjoying it. Keep your eye on Redfall. It's apparently a looter shooter as well. Yeah. Yep. Make a hobby channel. If it turns into variety gameplay, so be it. It's a gaming channel, though. A little gameplay won't hurt it, though. You phrase it exactly right, though, Mo. A little gameplay won't hurt it. 
We're not talking about a little gameplay. We're talking about finishing Ikishima, finishing Halo, just deciding to replay Hellblade, just deciding to replay Ori. Right? That's not a little gameplay. Truth be told, we're not a gameplay-based channel. I'm just not. We need to change the header. The banner is old for SNTR Gaming. We're not necessarily gameplay-based. We're like 70-30. We're 70% talk show. And I'm fine with that. That's more my gifting anyway. Two more weeks and I'm diving back into Monhun. Can't wait. Yeah, I wish I could like that game too. Did you guys hear about the the Gower Goer thing? I don't know what that is. Gears of War something remastered? Sure, Sven, there's an opportunity for something like that. We, uh... We have ideas, and right now we have to focus on the core elements that make this channel flow, and now we gotta focus on the big things we're doing with uh, January, the other channel. Oh, God of War Ragnarok, I'm sorry. Too many games have have G-O-W. It's like when people put G-O-T for Ghost of Tsushima, I think they mean Game of Thrones. Uh, no, what's what's the God of War thing? I didn't see anything about it. Oh, 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 the placeholder for the release date. Yeah, I said it might prove me wrong because I said they weren't going to do that. Yeah. So many games I should love on paper but just can't get into them. Monhun, Warblade. Are you meaning to type Warframe? But yeah, I'm the same way. Monhun and Warframe I should enjoy on paper, but I don't. Yeah, I predicted that, that God of War Ragnarok would launch uh, late November, December, or next or or 2023. And that placeholder is potentially proving me wrong. I didn't think they'd want to cannibalize Horizon Forbidden West getting to dominate, maybe not dominate, but getting to ride the game noms. And I know people are like, well, people don't, they don't care about game nominations. I don't know if you can say that anymore. Game Awards was a very big production with very good viewership, and that's likely to continue. And getting a nomination where you're like one of the only big PlayStation titles up there, that could look really good. Now, somebody might say, well, look at it another way, Lono. If they have two titles up there, that's even better. And then 2023, they could let they could make be making space for the next Spider-Man uh, or Wolverine or something. Probably Spider-Man would be more likely. And then that one's all by itself, right? And then maybe they do something with Ghost of Tsushima. I don't know. Um, I still think that my gut, my gut instinct is that they won't do it. They won't. They won't clutter next year with two. They'll let they'll let Forbidden West kind of glide on its own. But again, it's it's clear that I may be wrong about that. Monster Hunter is Capcom's best-selling game of all time. It's gonna be huge if it's Monhun Six. Yeah, Weez, I'm telling you, I, I I hate to say it, 
I hate to say it, because this is not me asking the game to be something else, but if they had health bars in that freaking game, I could probably enjoy it. I just can't do it. I can hack at the ankles of a giant troll, dinosaur, demon, anything in a From Software game. Why? There's a dadgum health bar. But I just can't do it. I can't do Monhunt. I just did the no health bar. It does something to my brain. It makes the fight seem awful. 2023 is Spider-Man and probably Last of Us multiplayer. Possible. People do be hate watching award shows. Not to this degree next to wish. I don't think so. I don't think so. I never want to ask a game to not be something that it is. Like when people want an easy mode in a From Software game. I'm like, no. Get out of here with that crap. So I don't want to come to Monhun and be like, can you put health bars in the game? Because people would be like, I can just hear it now. That grates against the spirit of Monhun. And I'd be like, okay, fine. I'll just I'll walk away and not play it. <laughs> it's not for everyone. I'm fine with that. I'm just excited for Monhun 6 on next gen. Only platforms on the RE engine. Yeah, it's going to be beautiful. We might have to play it just to show it off, and then that'll be the end of it. I don't mind playing a game launch date to show it off. Capcom's one of the few older companies that still puts out good stuff. Is that true? Or did a lot of the games, the game companies just go through renames? How many of the old companies are still around? Isn't Bandai Namco like really old? Aren't they an older, aren't they an older company? And I mean, they obviously are, are still kicking. Oh, they were founded in 2006. When was Capcom founded? Capcom was founded in 1979. Ooh-wee! That is an old one. Wow. <clears throat> Konami, uh, I was worried that engine doesn't seem built for there. Uh, Elden Ring's coming out February 25th, 2022. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the confirmed release date. Capcom had a really bad stretch though. It only recently got its act together. I had a friend, I had a friend in high school who moved to J- moved out to Japan and he learned Japanese and got hired. He were I think he still works at Capcom. Did you play the newest Hitman? I thought Hitman 3 was good. I didn't like the haptic feedback on the PlayStation. I had to turn that off because I kept going to pull the trigger and the dadgum thing would stop. And it threw me off. Other than that, I thought it was good. Once I figured it out. The RE engine is really reach for the moon engine, but everyone calls it the RE engine. Elden Ring is coming out February 25th, 2022. Thomas, are you just like a bot? Or is that just your job to say that in chat? Uh, Elden Ring and Horizon are the only Game of the Year nominations, in my opinion. I bet you Sifu gets nominated for a lot of stuff. 
Sifu and Forspoken. Forspoken will get nominated for a lot of stuff. Yeah. I think Elden Ring's gonna dominate. I think Elden Ring will absolutely freaking dominate. It'll 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 get nominated and win tons of categories from everything we've seen so far. Forbidden West will probably get stuff for like graphics and audio design, but and it'll probably win action game unless they classify Elden Ring as an action game. Um but I think it's Elden Ring's year to dominate. But Forbidden West and Forspoken will both get a lot of noms as well, I would imagine. And then Sifu will get debut and indie noms for sure. So. <clears throat> Apparently there's no new news about Elden Ring. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Uh, Sifu's going to be held back because it's a rogue. That didn't hold back Hades. Hades got a ton of awards, didn't it? Didn't it? So did Dead Cells. I don't agree. I don't agree with that. No, I don't think rogues are held back anymore, especially not after Returnal. Returnal got what three noms, two awards this last year. It deserved Game of the Year over Deathloop. At least, at least it takes two one. No, it won't. Hades won a crap ton. Yeah, I don't think. I think a couple of years ago, rogues would have been held back, but I think Dead Cells and Hades have paved the way. So is Returnal. What happened to Ghostwire Tokyo? Didn't they recently have a development announcement about Ghostwire? It, it got delayed, didn't it? Forspoken is flop of the year. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I here's 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 my concern with Forspoken. We are well off the the train tracks now. So if you came for Final Fantasy 16 coverage. You can chime in in chat if you've got questions. Make sure and subscribe. Take the poll at the top of the chat. But we're gonna we're definitely diverting now to more variety gaming coverage. The, the show is is sort of leaving the station, and that's totally fine. We enjoy this. I just want new people to know what in the world's going on. Um, so the the issue with Forspoken, I think, that's worrisome is that they already have sold us on too much of the existential promises. It just, to be the most, you know, some of the wording they've used, I don't even know what it is off the top of my head, but like to be this mostly ambitious open world game or something, that's always concerning. That's always concerning. Info from the upcoming Edge magazine about Elden Ring. Miyazaki says he won't play Elden Ring since it's a game he made himself. It won't be a fresh experience. Elden Ring has talismans instead of finger rings because uh, in the game because they're part of the story. Elden Ring will have a lot of exploration. Yeah, we're hoping that that Edge magazine, which I've pre-ordered, will give us a lot of great stuff to discuss on uh, on from Friday. There's a bot for Elden Ring news. Mordecai? I don't think Mordecai is a bot. Ghostwire, Sifu, Horizon, Elden Ring, Forspoken. Those are all my Game of the Year nominees. Well, they're not out yet, but I, I would probably agree with most of those. <clears throat> Forspoken does look like a tech demo to me. Just really pretty, but zero in depth. It's always concerning when they when that's what their promise is. They promise like this otherworldly almost existential experience and I'm like, "Yeah, but I mean what 
what what else is going to be going on in the game like you're saying like a tech demo or like what somebody else said like it, it needs to go beyond a tech demo you guys are both saying the same thing it's almost like you're so focused on 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 technical the game's technical prowess that what might get lost in the shuffle is where's the game's substance so like Horizon Forbidden West I think is a good example of this as as uh, as the the developer for Final Fantasy 7 you know Naoki uh, Hamaguchi just recently said in the interview that we read the idea that like it was this lush world and this fresh concept well that had a big impact right on on him was, oh wow this is so phenomenal this is so cool and that was like incredibly important and I think that that's something to remember is that Horizon Zero Dawn didn't try and do all these technologically advanced things. They just made a really beautiful game with great characters. Now, technologically, there are elements of Horizon Zero Dawn that were incredibly held back. The facial animations are a perfect example. They always they they all look very mannequin esque. They look very wooden, and and because of that, they that was one element of the game that was held back. But the voice acting and the characters were actually quite good, right? They actually were quite good. And I think people forget that that made up a lot of the difference in that game's, you know, acceptance and, and, and how much people loved it. I do. I think people forget that that game had a lot of technologically... I would say inferior pieces. I don't think that the mocap and the emotion capture of the characters in that game was very good, right? And so, but that didn't hold the game back. Why? Well, they focus on a very fresh and new experience because Eugene's bringing up the combat. That's exactly right. Like, the characters were good enough to override the fact that their facial animations were kind of bad. And the combat was fresh. It was new. The idea of, like big mechanical robots and being able to mount them and yeah I've never played anything like that right the the breakdown of the machines and analyzing them and looking for weaknesses and stuff it was very very fresh it was very very new and I think that that's something that has to be considered about Forspoken when the oh it's popping my back when the developers are so focused on technical prowess and technical strength I get concerned. I'm like, well, what do you, do you have more than that? Because that can be enhancing to the content loop, but it can also mean that the content loop isn't very good. You guys know me. We were talking about it this morning. I I worship uh, at the altar of the uh, of the content loop. That's that's where I that's where I worship. It's like this is all that matters. Everything should be subservient to the content loop. Okay. So, given that reality, you should, if you're going to be doing all these technologically cool things and advanced stuff and all this system that and this system, oh, look at this, look at that, blah, 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 then you make the game really pretty and, and really unique and all of that. Okay, great. It needs to be subservient. It needs to be subservient to the content loop. The content loop matters way more than any of this stuff. Everyone had that weird way of moving their heads during conversations. Right, like they always look like like Aloy always looked like this. Yes. Yes. This is so important to me. It was like her head would just pivot in this teeny little circle and her eyes just kind of stared straight forward. It was like 
Where's the emotion? You know, it had nothing to do with the voice actors. You know, Ashley Birch is incredibly talented, and the rest of the cast was very interesting. I actually think the character design was awesome in that game. I thought all the characters looked great. They just were animated very poorly. Uh, you know. <laughs> you worship Jesus, not the content loop, bro. In gaming, in gaming, the content loop is God. In gaming, in the realm of gaming, when you step into the universe of gaming, the content loop is God. It must be served, or everything falls. Everything is subservient to the content loop. Your cool animations, your cool graphics, your open world exploration, if it's purely tech demo like show off how cool the game is and it's not subservience to the content loop it's freaking window dressing and I don't care about it I'll give you an example so go look at animations of new world combat in a vacuum just look at the animations in a vacuum like look at the character animations when they jump and spin and slam the ground or do whatever it is they're they're doing okay those animations can look amazing in a showcase, but then you put them in the game and a lot of the animations and a lot of the combat is still in need of some fluidity and some polish. Why? Because it is not in a good enough way, it's not subservience to the content loop. It's disrupting to it. It causes a level of dissonance in the content and so the content loop judges it like a god. It turns and judges it and says this is disruptive to the content loop. You're creating a dissonance. You're creating a clunkiness. And this is frustrating the player. That doesn't work if that person's got to swing that axe and stab that sword a thousand times in a day. Right? Eventually, they'll develop a callus. They, they might develop a callus and just put up with it. Or they'll develop a blister and be like, this is just a sore spot in the game. I don't like this. And so when you make a very, very pretty game with pretty animations, they need to be subservient to the content loop. And that way the content loop is stronger and more bolstered and more enjoyed as opposed to feeling as if it's being disrupted or corrupted by it. Forspoken's parkour movement and combat look good. It makes me excited about the content loop, but we will see. Right. They need to be subservient to it. Because when you see all the new Horizon Zero Dawn animations and combat and abilities, what do they do? Well, they show it to you inside of an actual gameplay little instance where she goes in and she sees all these guys and she's like fighting and doing different things so you get like a glimpse of the content loop so you can kind of confidently say oh that'll be really fun to do a thousand times but when you see someone just kind of like scale a wall and do some parkour and you see like snippets of combat it's hard to judge it's like well this could be just a tech demo that looks really impressive but when you show me beginning middle and end of a content like of of a combat sequence that's when i get sold on a game do you see the difference so i could take slices of any game i could take slices of the worst game in existence and make it look amazing the way the guy swings his sword the way he parries and deflects or whatever the frick and i can make it look amazing the first time this is a good one think of ghost of tsushima the first time gameplay showed up for Ghost of Tsushima, you could tell there was something special. He walks up to these guys, no heads up display, no button prompts, and he is changing his stance, and they are swinging and being blocked, parried, and killed. And you're like, I must play this game. Why? 
Well, it wasn't a snippet of a samurai parrying and, and killing somebody. It was a beginning, middle, and end of a combat sequence. So when you show me the raw details of a game at length, it's a lot easier for me to establish, oh, I can do that a thousand times. I can walk into a hundred different bases and take out, you know, a couple of a couple of uh, henchmen or whatever you want to call them. And, you know, a couple of bad guys, I can take them out with my samurai and I'll do it a thousand more times and it'll always feel good. So I don't think, I don't think Forspoken, for me at least, I don't think, while it looks amazing and impressive and it's going to be a front runner for game awards with respect to like the graphics and stuff that they're doing, that doesn't mean the content loop's going to be good. It doesn't mean they designed the game to, to serve, to serve the loop all must serve it all things all things must serve it the skill trees uh you know the combat systems even the dadgum story it serves one king and one king only and i think that philosophy would help so many more developers cast a vision and unify project management and unify your different you know uh department heads and department leads if you said I don't care what system you build. I don't care what it is. I don't care what gun. I don't care what shield. I don't care what quest line, world, traversal option, or, you know, or outfit you, you, you create. Attach it and tether it to the content loop in a meaningful way. That should, that should be a consistent theme in development going forward. Because more and more games are not about playing it once and setting it down. People go for platinum. You add DLC. There's live service elements. Games continue on. MMORPGs and live service games especially, if they do not serve the content loop, they will be condemned. Their game will fail. Because that is the only way you get people to play, you know, a, 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 a month later, two months later. Live service games and MMORPGs, I think, in a more profound way, have to serve, have to serve the content loop. Flashy gra- graphics and combat sells the pre-orders. Content keeps the player base. That's right. And if there's one thing that's becoming more clear, more clear with time, it's that if you sell a bunch of people on a really pretty game and then you don't deliver. Stretching. It might not be worth all those pre-orders. Might not be worth it. You might be staring down the barrel of, you know, loss of projected sales, loss of attachments. You know, like uh, you got to get the. If you've ever worked in retail, right? They teach you about attachment. Like you got to have a high attach rate. You got to attach up sales and things like that cosmetic attach rate and you know DLC saturation all that stuff can suffer if you sold people on this amazing uh, like you're saying novelty the novelty of an open world game with all this exploration and traversal you sell them on that novelty well the novelty wears off really quickly these days like you're saying you're just so over the novelty of open world games that's not enough anymore Look at all of the shooters that attempted to be like, hey, we can do arena, we can do arena shooter combat, right? They look at the popularity, um, they look at the popularity of, 
you know, of Call of Duty and they're just trying to kind of mimic it. It doesn't work. It doesn't work at all. Kotaku can't delete the tweet can delete the tweet but it'll live on by the way the article mentioned it too so it wasn't an accident so Kotaku tweeted about Halo Infinite's oddball Quidditch glitch lets you live out your what on earth why would you say that Halo Infinite may have removed Halo 5's ball passing mechanic but it was replaced with a ton of new physics interactions Golly. In Halo Infinite, you can at the very least pretend you're playing Quidditch, the favorite wizard sport of this everywhere. Thanks to the new... I don't... Oh, man. Hilarious. Open worlds often feel large but empty, and if the game has bad traversal mechanics, it gets boring fast. Well, not just boring; it gets it gets uh, yeah, it gets it gets irritating. <laughs> Kotaku postulating that if you like Quidditch <laughs> and Harry Potter, you're you're bad. <laughs> just oh, uh, it's so funny. To be, to be shackled in the cell of hoping to win the crowd's uproariously, uh, you know, tenuous and mob-like approval. What kind of a hell that must be. <laughs> so glad. So glad I do not march to those drum beats. <laughs> uh, being beholden to the mob must be awful. Feel like I'm missing out on something spicy. Probably best to leave it uh, to not look at. Yeah, yeah. They're too busy pirating games. Yeah, Kotaku posted an article like the day after Metroid Dread was available and told people how they could pirate it. <laughs> and then they equate some mode Griff. They they equated Griff Ball in Halo with Quidditch, and then they equated if you enjoy Quidditch, you are you are a bad word (laughs) oh my gosh they deleted the tweet and they're trying to claim it was an accident or something like oops sorry you know we just assumed the mindless mob would lap this up right you know like hating anything that is is divergent from the modern way of thinking about a topic you know they just think people are gonna lap it up um Purple needs to hurry up and ban watching anything that isn't my videos. YouTube needs to ban any purple content that isn't mine. I'm tired of people posting on my platforms. It's disrespectful. (laughs) Uh. Mm. I wondered why, like, Kotaku was trending. I was like, why is Kotaku trending? Uh. This page doesn't exist. Mm. 
To be fair, uh, Kotaku promoting, promoting pirating methods was the most gamer thing they've done in a while. <laughs> uh, oh, I know what's going on uh, there then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kotaku taking cheap shot at Harry Potter fans. Yes, yes. Yeah. Who in the real world has actually played Quidditch? Last time I checked, there were still a couple centuries out from a flying broom technology. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, it's just a cheap way to earn social cultural points right now, right? To to wail to wail on that person or use that word. It's just low hanging, just it's just cheap. Right? Uh Mm-hmm. It's just a cheap shot. Mm. They updated the article less than an hour ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, and here's the thing that I don't think people realize. Maybe I should make a video about this. I feel like Kotaku is embracing madvertising, right? I, I don't know who coined the term. Bill Maher might have coined the term madvertising, and I think it's brilliant. It's utterly brilliant. Whoever came up with it, um, and you know, so whoever came up with it, it is it is just absolutely brilliant. And so the idea of the time that I saw the the phrase first used or coined was when Burger King said. You know, women belong in the kitchen, at least if they want to. And we have this great new initiative to help more women, you know, get the training they need to get into leadership positions at Burger King or something like that. Or get into culinary school or culinary training. And so they send out the first tweet and everybody obviously goes nuts. And then underneath that tweet is all the information about their, you know, their culinary efforts to help, you know, women in that in that environment. And so obviously everybody gets very, very angry, and then the anger serves as a uh, as a marketing uh, mechanic. It, it it actually gets the the marketing spun up. Actually, it uh, it's it's faster and more effective to do that than to just if they would have just tweeted their initial like, oh, this is what we're doing, then it wouldn't have gotten near the, the near the traction. Okay. So. To me, I think it's becoming more and more clear that outlets like Kotaku have just embraced the fact that, like, look, we're the devil. And if you if you play the part of the devil really well, well, then everybody knows your name, right? And so, I wouldn't be surprised if whoever's in charge over there is like, no, do it. Create, write an article, put some stupid, dumb, idiotic hot take in the, in the, in the title and in the headline... And everybody will start railing against how awful we are. And then we'll change it. And then we'll be viral. And everybody will be clicking on the article and remembering our name. So they're essentially... They're capitalizing on the just the insect-level intelligence of the mob. Like, the mob is so stupid that they don't realize that this is on purpose. Like you think your you you think your sanctimonious scoldy tweet is going to get them to stop doing it, right? You think that's going to happen? Like I'm going to post this sanctimonious judgy tweet about how dumb they are and how dumb their article is, 
do you think that's going to change anything? No, probably not. But what you just did is you helped with top of mind marketing. There was a it's in my it's in my video about um Devin Devin Nash talking about the dislike button being removed and why it had nothing to do with protecting corporations. And he said that most of these corporations you know, with it, with as big as they are, and most of these corporations with how they operate, he basically said public opinion did not matter. Maximum exposure is what matters. That's what he said. And if you apply that formula, well, then that's what Kotaku's doing. What they're doing is they're like, well, public opinion doesn't matter. Maximum exposure matters. And we can leverage the opinion of the public. We can let, we can leverage the opinion of the public and we'll get tons of clicks. You see, it's 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 by design. It's it's intended, and it ser- it serves a purpose. It serves a purpose, and it's working. Like we're talking about it, aren't we? We're talking about it. I don't ever talk about that that uh, that news outlet. I guess if you can call it a news outlet, I don't care. I don't. I don't ever talk about that that blog site. I don't. And here we are. And it's hard not to. I think that's. I think that's probably one of the greatest challenges that I have felt um, uh, recently. One of the greatest challenges I've felt is how do you how do you engage these things in a way that doesn't inadvertently promote them. Because that's what they want, right? When you see the foolishness of it, and you see how, oh, this is so stupid, right? Well, that, that, the minute you talk about it, you just gave them what they wanted. But if you don't talk about it, and you don't confront the stupidity, and you don't confront how dumb it is, or whatever the case may be, then if you don't, then your silence is is sort of like like does that does your silence which serves a greater purpose silence or confronting the foolishness do you see what i'm saying i don't know i don't know the answer i don't know the answer i find the whole thing to be perplexing There are plenty of things. Why will it not put it at the front of the freaking playlist? Why is YouTube being stupid over there? Um, it's like it's acting like that video doesn't exist. Date added oldest. Date added newest. Yeah, it's acting like the the DMCA video like doesn't have a thumbnail or something. Like I can't see it as a play. I can't see it listed in the playlist. Hang on a second. Let me try something. I bet you if I go to download, it's the weird version. Nope. Change. YouTube's been weird yesterday and today. Because you're mass editing. Oh, is that why? It's exactly the same as dealing with any troll. If you can use it to make a point and be entertaining, then engage with it. Otherwise, ignore it. 
Okay. Well, I'll pre- I'll set it to the premiere video once we're closer to going over. The It Takes Two creator Yosef Fares would rather get shot in the knee than include NFTs in his games. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a lot of people are very anti that. If it serves your legitimate purpose, does it does it matter if it helps them incidentally? Incidentally, isn't that trying to control something you can't control? Oh. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good word. The idea that like I can't control the fact that I can't control the fact that this is this is a thing. If I talk about this article that I think is bad or reckless or I talk about this outlet, this news outlet that I can tell is farming for advertising. They're they're farming for advertising impressions. And I'm contributing by covering it. Is it going to happen anyway? So you have to so that becomes that becomes like the the paradigm that we have to operate underneath is it's going to add to their reach and their impressions within this idea of their capitalizing on advertising. That's a given. Is my refusal to talk about it going to minimize that to a great degree? Well, if you're PewDiePie or Mr. Beast, sure. But if you're me, not so much. So if I talk about it and add truth or good insight to it, well, then it's a worthy video. But it, I don't know. I don't think it's, I just, it's so hard. It doesn't feel, it just doesn't feel clean cut. Unfortunately, it doesn't feel clean cut. It feels, it feels so complex. Um, I don't, I don't like, uh, I don't know. Uploads, past live streams, all videos. Yeah, YouTube's being real dumb. If public opinion doesn't really matter, why change the headline? They'll get more attention for leaving it? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It could be that that's the plan all along to get it to trend, and then everyone's like, oh, you know, this... This is this is now at least they try at least they did the right thing or at least at least they you know what I'm saying at least they attempted to do the right thing you know what I mean um tell you what you do that cute thing where you tell me to get out of the industry I built and still rest on my shoulders I am esports be gone peon Who's he talking to? I saw somebody say that they had arrived as, a, as, as something in esports because they got blocked by him. Uh, the esports historian. What's he? Uh, uh, I haven't done crap in Leagues of Legends fan logic. Who is he having a spat with? Um. Esports Atlas Shrugged. Call me John Gall. Yeah, he's kind of like going on a full... It looks like he's going full warfare. Um, (laughs) 
Yeah, he says shot, and then he says chaser. Just finished watching you made Spider-Man 2. Think it, uh, it's better to remember it. Definitely going to see Spider-Man. Also, how is talking about it affecting you? Can you take a jab at it and move on, or do you find yourself getting sucked into a long debate that can potentially derail your content? Well, if it's an individual video, Valiant, you know what I'm saying? So if it's an individual video that sparks that sparks good dialogue, maybe an AMA, maybe a live stream, um, you know, sure. I gotta follow this guy just to, so I can see the, the wreckage of whatever in the world he's doing. Lono used to talk about a purple streamer who turned trolls or hate clips into content without giving the troll any fame or name exposure. Yeah, that was Paladin Amber. She is absolutely brilliant. She's very funny. She's super, super comical. She's also, I think she's really capitalized, I think, in a very tasteful and very intelligent way on how beautiful she is. Because she's gotten all sorts of deals. From what I've seen, at least, it looks like she's gotten deals with, like, makeup and stuff, which I think makes sense. She's, she's very, very pretty. But she's also gotten good deals with like the headphone companies and keyboards and all the rest. She is absolutely brilliant. She she and I followed each other for a time. Uh, obviously, you know, last summer did away with that. But she was one of the people I had in mind for a comedy show that I was going to do. I had uh, Ezekiel the Third, Paladin Amber, uh, and then there were some other people that wanted to be involved that I'd already spoken with. One of them is a, a voice actor, really, really talented. And um, we were going to do a comedy show. And I hadn't reached out to Paladin Amber yet, but I'd reached out to, to Zeke. And it was going to be excellent. And um, it's such a bummer that it didn't happen because I think she would have been such a perfect fit. She is very, very sharp and very quick-witted. And she's got that good cutting, you know, cutting-style humor. Um, so... Yeah, I think she's done a really, really great job. And she's short. I always love short people. <laughs> she's short, so as someone who's 5'6", I'm always a fan of folks that are short in stature. Um, couldn't remember the name. I remember what was going on. Uh, he was saying that it was brilliant because it, uh, it benefited her without making a person feel like they were getting fame. Now, the only pitfall to her doing that, and obviously myself and other people were probably giving her some caution about that. I was doing it. Uh, on my on my channel, and uh, I know there were probably other people telling her this. Is the challenge would be, is that would become the gimmick, that would become the gimmick and the content and her chat is people coming in and wanting to be roasted, like step on me, mommy, kind of a thing, right? Wanting her to just absolutely uh, berate them. And they were doing it because they, there were people that probably did it because they liked her. They thought, oh, she's awesome, she's hot, she's funny. Whatever their motivations would be, they'd want to be the one that go in and get... And, and even if their name isn't included in the clip, they would get the reaction. So she obviously had to think through that. Like, that could be incredibly disruptive if every time she's streaming, she's getting these dum-dums coming in trying to get roasted up because, you know, they want mommy to step on them or whatever that's like a whole meme right and so I don't know how much she's changed her content uh, since her sort of her 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 breakout but her growth uh, her growth on Twitter and on Instagram is is noticeable uh, you know 141,000 followers 
on Twitter. I think her Instagram really did started doing well, and she got some good sponsored stuff. Uh, 31,000 followers over there, and she has the check mark. And obviously, she posts pictures of herself, and she she's she's clearly gifted with makeup. She's got she does she does like her eyebrows look incredible. I always notice that like when somebody has really good eyebrows, her hair, all of that. She's got like a good look. She has a look that would do well for uh, for sponsored stuff with makeup and stuff. I'm fairly certain she's done a couple of things uh, with some makeup sponsors uh, over there. And so um, she clearly, I think, did a very very good job like stamping out uh, just good growth patterns. Her purple channel has 114,000 followers, and I don't know how much uh, what she's done has contributed to her growth over there. Let's take a look. Let's take a peek. I'm kind of curious. Let's see. So there was a time where, yeah, in June of 2019, she had like 800 and something followers and spiked up to 36,000. She got, well, no, I'm sorry. This is how many she earns, not how many she had. These is followers gained. So she was gaining anywhere from 800 to 300 followers a month. And then in July of 2019, she had her breakout. She got 36,000 followers in a month, which is huge. That's a breakout. That's like an entire person's channel on purple sometimes. Um, and during, during uh, that time, she obviously spiked up in viewership. And then something must have recently happened in March of this year she had 1.1 million channel views in March. I don't know if a game broke, I don't know if she went viral, I'm not sure what happened. But she's done very well for herself. Um, and I think that a lot of her work doesn't come from giant viewership trends uh, or giant viewership support. I think a lot of it comes from deals and sponsors and stuff. Because she's built a very good brand for herself. Uh, and and I think she's likable. Even if you go in and get roasted by her, I think she's likable. Like, she does it in such a charming way that you think, oh, that's totally fine. Um, past three months, her average viewers have gone down um, have gone down by about 15% average, and peaks gone down by about 60. So her average viewership has dropped a little bit by about 15%. That's not too bad. It probably spiked up early this year and 2020 because of people working from home. So it's tough to maintain those uh, those types of numbers. You know, it's tough. It's tough to maintain those types of numbers. And uh, and again, I don't I don't know primarily what like what is her what her is her channel shtick now. What's her What's her channel shtick? Like, what's she doing? Is she still doing the meme content where she makes fun of people? Is she still doing the meme content where she roasts people? You know, I would I would I would wonder how much of that is her content now. Um, because because in general, I always thought that what she should do, um, and obviously she doesn't have to take any advice from me, but I thought what she should do, and I don't know if she do- does this, she should have looked into uh, segmented content. So what she should have done is said, you know her this her this just in thing, right? This just in, and she would roast them up. What she should have done is establish a segment called, like, Paladin Amber News. You know, P-A-N. I think that would have looked really cool on the screen or whatever. Paladin Amber News. And what she would do is she would take incredibly stupid tweets, articles, or news stories and just absolutely serve up scathing sarcasm uh, and criticism, right? Um, 
scathing. Just be super, super funny. She could even start maybe... She's really good off the cuff. This is something that I struggle with. Like, Creature wanted me to get into some 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 creation that would have required me, like, writing a, a comedic script. And I just don't think I would have been able to do that. And I don't know if she'd be able to do that. Maybe she could. I think that would have been gold for her because then she could have taken those segments and sent them over to YouTube. She, You know what I'm saying? Like, she could intentionally make, you know, Paladin Amber News, she could make it an eight-minute segment where she breaks down some story, something that's going on, and she just um, absolutely shreds it or whatever. And she makes fun of it. And so, this bit sounds familiar. Oh, I mean, I said this before I ever worked with you, Creature. I always... I always thought that that's what she should have done. I thought what she needs to do is she's taking a moment that's funny and what she should do is try and be formulaic about it. And she should do like a segment where, you know, she does a little breakdown and then she can repurpose that for YouTube. Make it eight minutes long and she can just pick the dumbest tweet or the dumbest hot take or the dumbest article or news story of the week and just shred it. And if she's a gifted comedian, what she should be able to do is she should be able to navigate the treacherous and the horrible and f- and try to make it funny so she could have really had a huge resurgence of growth and, and viral moment during like Blizzard Activision so she could have been breaking down those moments and those pressers and things like that and then she'd have content for her YouTube so I don't know if anybody is like managing her or helping her think through content creation and diversity and, and repurposing content or any of that but I feel like she she uh, she could really capitalize on something like that because she is very funny. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what her content consists of. Sadly, the last couple of times I would tune in to watch her, she was playing with other people and it drove me absolutely just bat crap crazy. I was like, I don't want to hear all these other people that are, you're hanging out with. I would like to, to hear you. I find that always to be, you know, just grossly infuriating. If I tune in to hear the streamer and I got to hear some guy trying to be funny because he's streaming with Paladin Amber. I was like, I can't do it. So, there was a handful of streamers I saw do that. They would just, they would stream with people from the audience and the guy, the, the guys they would stream with would just absolutely ruin the vibe and ruin the environment. Um, it was just, it always drove me insane. I was like, why are you doing this? Why are you giving away your lifetime to some, little, you know, loudmouth dum-dum that you want to play with? Like, I, I just don't get it. Now, now, if you if it's planned and the person is funny, like what I do with Hilly on Friday nights, that is entirely different than somebody being like, oh, I'm going to go play Rainbow Six Siege with community members and let them talk and complain and hijack the conversation. Like, I just, the, the, the few times I tried to watch her, that was going on, and I was like, I just, this isn't funny, you know? This isn't, this isn't entertaining. I think she is an entertainer, and, uh... Whenever I see somebody who's gifted entertaining and, and, and comedy and hosting, I'm like, you should be doing segmented content, you know? Why aren't you doing segmented content? It's always the question I want to ask people like that. Segmented content is the future. Live live streaming gameplay is is not. It's there. It'll always be there, but it's not forward thinking. Hilly doesn't try to hijack the show in an effort to impress you either. That's true. That's true. Hilly, Hilly and I definitely have, I think, like a, a, a very, a very durable rapport that I think works really, really well. Um, um, so there are ap- apparently like, uh, a, an unbelievable amount of bots now on Twitter 
I've noticed this twice now. I'm just checking my sub my tw- my Twitter feed, and as soon as Snow tweets something, she gets like eight bots on her tweet because she's promoting. Uh, there's a lot of people that are doing like you know fan house and OnlyFans, and it feels like there are all these bots now that the minute you tweet about those platforms, they just absolutely stack on your your tweet. A one minute old tweet had like eight replies. I was like, what is going on? more people weighing in uh, on the <laughs> on the Kotaku thing that got us off on this uh, side rail <laughs> that's going too far I tolerate Hilly whatever that's the life of the TikTok bandit yeah yeah poor, poor TikTok bandit poor Snow she sends out a tweet and gets slammed by, by bots on Twitter as someone who consistently told that I'm funny I think it's a lot easier to be so when I have other people to play off of Oh, for sure, for sure. Like, and this is something that's true of me in in a large sense. I have tried to improve my comedic chops over the years as a host, and I've done so by watching stand-up comedians, comedians in cars getting coffee. Uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, I think, really helped me with doing little bits and little funny parts and stuff with you guys. But I still need something. I need another person or persons to play off of. Um... Enough about Amber. How can we grow Zubair's brand? <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, not sure how to stop that. Knows nothing about those online systems. You just ignore it, Hex. Personally, I don't even... I wouldn't even... If I was her, if I was Snow, I wouldn't even block the bots. Because when a tweet gets engagement, it gets it gets seen by more people. Even, even if it's like automatic, right? Um... Even if it's even if it's just automatic like that, it ha- it, it won't it won't be super incredible, um, um, but it'll probably it'll probably help. It doesn't hurt like blocking those bots. It is uh, is pointless. You know what I mean? Samir tweeting about the class action riot thing. Uh, excellent insight in light of the riot uh, news. So Samir is somebody who strongly kind of went after Bungie uh, after all their stuff hit. And I've had I've had former employees tell me that IGN's coverage was spin. Samir saying a class action lawsuit rarely read never it rarely or never pays out all the folks who signed the lawyer and the primary plaintiffs usually receive the lion's share the purpose is to slap the wrists of defendants in hopes of deterring future bs many victims still remain uncared for so he's adding some insight into this riot news about the about the payout which obviously is connected to you know him him speaking and talking about you know the stuff that was going on at bungie um, I was trying to get Samir to talk to me, but he won't talk to me. I DM'd him and he won't reply. Um, <sighs> I, right, who? If you're asking about who Samir, I just retweeted him. So...
Let's not forget that they carry insurance for class actions. Right. Yeah. So this is just... It, lo- it, it probably is better on the surface, but it's still very much, like, beneficial to the devs. Uh, more than, you know... More than the people involved or whatever. <clears throat> what I miss? What happened to Final Fantasy? Final Fantasy 16, uh, Yoshi P took to uh checks are considered temporarily non uh uh he took to Twitter to announce that they spent much of this year um attempting to get ready for twenty twenty two because unfortunately um they they ran into all kind of problems in twenty twenty. Um, they ran into all kind of problems and so basically they're aiming to do a bunch of things in 2022 but they were going to do like a big announcement at the end of this year of like all this news that they were hoping uh, to lay out about um, they were hoping to lay out all this news about the uh, the state of the game and where things are and they're not able to do that um, and so what they're saying is, is they're saying that like, that will end up being next, like next year in the spring, they've had to unfortunately push it all back, which obviously it was disappointing for people because, you know, they, they wanted to hear the, I mean, I think we all wanted to hear information about it. I wasn't even that invested and, uh, and I thought, man, it's just another poor company that's had to just decentralize their workforce and in decentralizing their workforce, um, they, they lost, they lost a ton of, uh, of progress. Um, and in losing a ton of that progress, they've, they've had to push the whole thing. Uh, they've had to push the whole thing back. Um, so it's unfortunate that, but at the same time, I think the reason people really like him and the, and the people really respect him is they're like, he speaks very frankly and very honestly about everything. And I think that's where he's earned a lot of respect. And it seemed like the response to this was very positive. Um, The cutest little snow mountain adventurer. What we got here? Stone Mountain. Look at that little. Look at that. Look at that little. Look at that little. 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 Is it a girl or a boy? Look at that little homie. I would. Ima- I would imagine. With the, with the, it's hard to tell when they're that little when they're all bundled up for snow. <laughs> they settled two years ago, but for the ten million, uh, state stepped in and said it wasn't enough. Final Fantasy game getting delayed is probably the least surprising news uh, whenever it happens. 
Yeah, I think certain developers have certainly earned a reputation of, of being able to say, like, you know, we have to delay. People are like, oh, okay. Um, you know, that's that's not surprising, you know. Um, Uh, not interested in this tweet. Mm. Okay. Remedy just about a ten cent for their multiplayer game. Honestly, if, uh, hang on, the joke ends. It's serious. Can't even keep track of it myself. I don't know where I end and the joke begins, says Zubair. I refuse to believe that is not a penguin in disguise. (laughs) Yeah. A little penguin. (laughs) Yeah. Is it delayed till 2023? We don't know. They didn't give us a concrete date. They they just said they just said that it's it's delayed. You know, they had to, they basically had to delay the game almost half of a year, and they said that um, they spent much of this year having to. Yeah, I can't even see the scheduled premiere to feature it on presents golly they're having problems um uh what could we do to jar it there's nothing we can do it's being so weird neither can I yeah, we ran into this problem. Thankfully, it didn't happen today with scheduling streams. We've run into this problem before of um, of just it's like the video is not there. It's like it doesn't realize that it's a, that it's that it's available. Um, I never I never know what to do. I feel like sometimes if you change like the text in the body and like save it it can like jar its memory it's like even if you hot copy the the url it like won't you had a heck of a time just getting it ready to view yeah it's like the video doesn't exist it's so odd even if you copy and paste the url it's so weird when they do this Well, it's set to private is part of the problem. I just went to the hyperlink and it's set to private. It's like it hasn't saved the fact that it's scheduled. All right, I'm going to set it to private and then and then uh, and then and then schedule it. Set as a premiere and then today at 3. To, no, today the 28th at 3. Done set up the premiere we want ambient instead of the classic countdown save 
There we go. Now it's actually properly scheduled. Let me see if I can if if it's showing up properly now. It'll like jar its memory. There it is. I can feature it. Yeah, it was like the video. It was like YouTube considered it. It was being considered a private video. So I set it to private and then rescheduled it. Bam! There it is. Now I can see it. Okay, cool. I was like, "What in the frick's going on?" Like, I literally went to the hyperlink, and it was letting me watch the video, which means it's private because I'm logged in. So, we got it fixed. Whenever that's happening, that might be the solution: is just to set whatever the video is to private, and then set it back. So, we'll do that in about 24 minutes. We got a video about. So, for those of you who don't know, today's video is the DMCA time bomb. Uh, the purple platform facing new potential DMCA problems. Uh, they have some of their largest streamers, even streamers under, um, even streamers under exclusivity contracts, rebroadcasting and streaming television shows, uh, which is insane. Um, that they're and the, the funniest thing about it is you got to watch my video because there's commentary from people that work at Twitch on the situation and their commentary is just hilariously impotent. It's like, I don't understand. This is all you have to say. So you're definitely going to want to check that one out. You're definitely going to want to check that one out. Uh, they're literally just showing TV shows. Uh, I mentioned, I mentioned in the video, you're going to want to watch it. I mentioned in the video, what I saw over the holidays when I was talking to creature on the phone, I was like, dude, there's somebody right now doing this. I was like, this doesn't make any sense like at all why is this allowed (laughs) why is this allowed uh if i download an sntr presents video via the app and you make it private does it go away if i make it private yeah it'll go away you wouldn't be able to see it if i unlist it you'd still be able to see it most of what we're doing most of what we're doing over on sntr presents is we are going to be unlisting things we are not going to be setting things to private um, setting things to private is is obviously more extreme than what we're doing. Um, we need all of the Destiny stuff to just disappear. It's just extremely bad for the channel. And so we will be uh, unlisting the videos just so they're literally gone. They won't show up in search results. They won't show up as like ranked or recommendation things for the channel. Um, you know those are uh yeah hold now let's be accurate about what inmates are running the asylum right yeah yeah fair use fair use does not apply to television shows um anything before june 25th 2017 will be private out of my control why is that how is that out of your control why if they're that old, can they not be unlisted? Is that like a technological thing? Anything before June 25th of 2017 will be private? Out of my control. I, d- I need that explained to me. I didn't realize that's a thing. Not that it matters, but what 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 is that? Is that date specific about something? I would stream episodes of Fresh Prince. <laughs> Now in this episode, man, <laughs> they really get down into the into, into the into the depths of, you know, 
his character. <laughs> uh, it's crazy. I saw Subathon livestream just streaming multiple Christmas episodes of kid shows and movies. Yeah. Yeah. Um... <laughs> so you're the mediocre streamer no one's uh, heard of that's great that's great it has to be private to prevent them from showing in search unless it was unlisted before that update so they're the unlisting feature will not hide them from search results if only unlisted because of the YouTube update on that date. Has to be private to prevent them from showing up in search unless it was unlisted. So everything after June 25th of 2017 we can unlist, but all the stuff earlier has to be set to private. Is that what you, is that, that what you're saying? Oh, that's encouraging. Uh, the community marketing lead, Margaret, from Ashes of Creation, she liked my tweet, so she may go watch that past broadcast uh, and see my coverage from this morning. That's exciting. Correct. Okay. Well, that's not that concerning. I have severe doubts that anybody is going to go back and want to watch my content pre- before June 25th of 2017. Most of the audience is going to be looking for stuff probably in the last two to three years. So... Um, I thought all the unlisted stuff before the update got automatically changed to private. Yeah, it did. So when we unlisted, that's just going to be what happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, that's not a ma- that's not a major concern. That's not a major concern. The main reason that we're doing this is because is because that that the way that YouTube works right now, that channel it can't go anywhere. My hope would be that by the end of next year, that channel will look so, so much better because, you know, it it, it won't have all this, just, just this wreckage of Destiny content being drugged behind it. It'll all be esports industry news, uh, esports and industry news about the, you know, Purple Platform, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, any of that stuff. Um, in this case, you know, the DMCA problems that uh, are, are just undeniable uh, at this point with it. They're just, it's just like I said, it's a DMCA ticking time bomb. Um, it is, uh, it, I don't know. Hmm. I'm glad your ashes, ashes of creation coverage is getting in front of the team over there. Yeah, yeah, they've 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 uh, they reached out. They reached out, and um, you know, one of their community managers reached out, and so about about another game uh, that they'd love to maybe get me to to do some coverage on. And it it looks like it's a game called uh, Apocalypse Early Access Trailer, and it looks like they've got all these 
play with your friends and fight your way to victory. So it looks like they got like RPG elements, uh, you know, chests and maces and picking up all kinds of what is that a gun? Yeah, yeah, like a blunderbuss. Find powerful weapons, armors, and spells, and then you just go fight. Um, it says fight your uh, fight for your survival or die trying. Ashes of Creation Apocalypse is a standalone prequel to the upcoming. Oh, so it is Ashes of Creation Apocalypse. It's a prequel, uh, and it's testing ground for new systems and content in Ashes of Creation, as well as a unique multi-mode battle arena where magic, steel, and chaos reign supreme. Starting this Tuesday. So this is back in September. This has actually been out for a while, it looks like. Uh, Play now for free by registering at ashesofcreation.com. So they're wanting me to do maybe some coverage of that. That could be really fun. I'm not a big Battle Royale PvP guy, but it could be fun just to show it off, you know? What do you think is a bigger exclusive, Elder Scrolls 6 on Xbox or Final Fantasy 16 on PlayStation? Um... that's hard because Final Fantasy 16 hits the Asian market which is just absolutely enormous and the Sony console does exceptionally well in the Asian market but you have to consider the fact that PlayStation 5 saturation has been awful well not awful it's been choked and Elder Scrolls 6 if it's next gen only will face similar problems but by the time that happens Elder Scrolls 6 will land when Xbox Series X is in greater circulation and it will probably be Xbox as well as PC exclusive because of the Microsoft ecosystem and platform which means that it'll likely be bigger and and far more commercially successful Final Fantasy 6 is going to be very limited it's going to be PS5 in its launch so I think Elder Scrolls wins that one for a handful of reasons the PC community is just so stupidly large and Elder Scrolls and Skyrim there's going to be a groundswell of support and, and, and engagement with Elder Scrolls 6 um, one is a 58 million game sold franchise the other is a 165 million game sold franchise yeah Wait, are you agreeing with me, Wheeze? I don't know the numbers, so I'm. A, it's. Uh, are you agreeing that because Skyrim is just, I don't know, Skyrim is like the GTA of the fantasy world. It's just stupidly popular and extremely saturated. I don't know. Square doesn't have a good tracker with PC ports lately. Yeah, I mean they've talked about like the you know that the PlayStation uh, Five limited release. Um, no, you're not agreeing with me. I think commercially, PlayStation's gonna gonna hinder the sales, though. There won't be enough PlayStation 5s in circulation. I'm talking launch sales commercial success. Elder Scrolls will be far bigger in sales. Final Fantasy 16 is coming to PC, probably not at launch, but six months or a year after. Well, if that's the case and it hits PC, then that's different because the PC gaming community is growing at an astronomical rate in the Asian market and would therefore give it so much more of a leg up. But I don't know it when that's going to happen. I was basing it purely off of what I know. That Final Fantasy 16 is launching PS5 as, a, as an exclusive limited release and then, like, lo- like long-term... Elder Scrolls 6 landing on both 
Xbox and PC is a huge deal. Like, day one, you know. Long term, though, yeah, Final Fantasy could come in and sweep the leg and be like, well, yeah, once Final Fantasy 16 lands on PC, you're talking about an insane groundswell of sales that would would be very, very clear, clearly larger. Isn't 16 two years on the PS5? That's what I mean. If Final Fantasy 16 gets a six-month port later to PC, that's contrary to a lot of what I read. That seems really fast. The Elder Scrolls 6 won't be coming out for an extremely long time. Yeah, by the time the Elder Scrolls 6 comes out, you'll have more Xbox Series X's in circulation than you have now. And because of the nature of Microsoft's ecosystem, it'll hit both platforms. It'll hit both Xbox and PC. And that's a significant deal. Like, that's a significant amount of saturation. Comparatively. Comparatively. Uh. Elder Scrolls 6 won't be allowed until 2025, 2026. By the time it comes out, we'll have flying cars and talking cats. <laughs> That's funny. Final Fantasy 16 will probably be 2023, and hopefully more PS5s will be in the wild. Sure, I, that, that's something we can't know, right? If they suddenly are able to ramp up production, there could be way more PlayStation 5s in circulation by the time that it launches. But again, you're, you're still talking about a unidimensional launch, one platform for an unforeseen amount of time. That really limits sales, big time. Like, I don't know. Elder Scrolls 6 won't be out until after Starfield. Yeah, Final Fantasy 16 probably is two years away. Yeah. It really is hard to compare, and you want to know why it's hard to compare? Because of because of platform reach. It's not hard to compare. If you were just comparing, like, like what Wheezy said, like, as far as the franchise goes, Final Fantasy has a gigantic advantage in, in, in total sales, as well as the market it appeals to. It appeals to a larger market. The Asian market is gigantic in the gaming realm, especially with the growth of PC gaming in, uh, in Japan and China and even, uh, other, other, what was the other, was it India? There's other portions where PC gaming is just exploding. And so the idea that if you can hit that market and your title appeals to that market, no one can touch you. No one can compete with you. And this is where final fantasy would win. But if Final Fantasy 16 only lands on the PlayStation 5 and that's like a two-year exclusive deal, well, then the Elder Scrolls 6 would dominate it commercially because the Elder Scrolls 6 would hit Xbox Series X as well as PC, and Skyrim is very popular on PC because of the mods and everything. So... That's assuming that it doesn't fall apart at launch because uh, of Bethesda. Sure. Right. 
Starfield hasn't even come out with gameplay. I just think it'll be any, it won't anywhere close to being soon. Probably 2024, in my opinion, and Elder Scrolls won't be out until 2030, to be honest. Jeepers. <laughs> still losing my mind on the fact that it's still near impossible to get a next-gen console. Yeah, I mean, here we are, three days after Christmas 2021, and it is, it is still extremely difficult. Extremely difficult to get one. Yeah. It's tough. Very, very tough. Chip shortage will keep all gaming systems to a limited production. We 2023 before there'll be enough for everyone. It seems that way. It seems that way. Oh, Epic Game Store is giving away moving out today. That one might be worth snagging. Uh, do you have an Epic? Is, is Hilly around? That one might be worth snagging for a Hilly stream. That moving out game looks hilarious. Oh, golly. I'm not logged in to Epic. They do this. They've done this to me every time. Uh believe it's my I believe it's say no to rage is the login they're doing like the 12 days of gaming or whatever um and they're 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 giving away moving out today think this is the right account I had two accounts because when I did my shout casting in Fortnite I would uh... yeah this is the right account store uh, free game is moving out Tomorrow is Salt and Sanctuary. If you guys ever get anything in the Epic Store, don't forget to use my code LONO uh, if you ever buy anything. I know a lot of people don't. Um, Make sure and use code LONO. All right. You have just received a coupon for $10. Epic coupon. Why are they giving me a coupon? I was looking to see if there was any games on sale for $10. <laughs> oh, Pe- Fez is on sale for $10. I could use my coupon on that. Um, back when I did my shoutcasting, though, I would, uh, I would, u- I had like a separate login for Fortnite that I used. Um, so. It's a winter sale. I'll let it sit here and install. I got that when I logged in to buy FF7. Okay, okay. So they are just continuing to give away. Okay. Cool. How this poll fare? Okay. All right. So we we need we need <laughs> we need to have a quick moment of honesty about Final Fantasy 16. 
I thought it was going to be a lot more similar to Final Fantasy 14 and then I'm not I'm not kidding you like as I was reading through the presser today for the coverage I was like oh it's an action JRPG I like completely missed that and so we likely uh, we, we likely wouldn't I don't know if I would have covered this if I knew it was more action JRPG so I think it was still helpful to like meet you know Final Fantasy fans and stuff but it probably would have been better just to cover like Final Fantasy Endwalker from like a perspective of news about the servers and the sales and like getting people to convince me to play it since we're we're more niching down into uh you know mmorpg so i still found it interesting to talk about 16 and the games and how they're all disconnected and the delay and the respect for yoshi p um but i uh yeah i totally skipped over that and i thought oh i thought it was going to be closer and more similar to 14 and what 14 delivers uh, which thought you know we thought made sense we're kind of niching down into uh, MMORPG it's just one of those things that happens when you cover lots of different games you kind of miss the details sometimes <laughs> uh, and so I definitely missed that today we got into the middle of the coverage and I was like yeah this is <laughs> this isn't really a game that we would you know we would we would invest in we would showcase it off for like an afternoon uh, but that would likely be the end of it. So, yeah. Servers are doing better. Okay, good. Good. So, typically what we do, and we've been really struggling uh, to get to get lots of people to do this. Um, there's always roughly about uh, 200 to 250 people here, usually at the end of the day around 3 p.m. Eastern. And what we've been doing is we have another channel, a larger channel with 47,000 subs. This channel is just doing swimmingly. We are on our way to 10,000 subs, which will be amazing. So thank you all to the new subs and the long-standing subs on this channel over here. SNTR Gaming's coverage, news, and live stream environment has just been doing so, so well. And this morning was just an absolute banger. And our Elden Ring coverage has been similarly awesome, as well as New World and Halo uh, and Lost Ark. And so, the afternoon, though, around 3 o'clock, we head over to my larger channel, SNTR Presents, which is covering industry news about the streaming platforms like the Purple Platform, YouTube, Facebook Gaming, TikTok, uh, etc., as well as uh, industry news about, like, esports and different things like that. And there's going to be a pretty good vacancy of that kind of coverage given, you know, some of the shakeups recently that we covered with, like, Jake leaving the esports desk, esports talk, or whatever it's called. So, we need your help at the end of the day. So, I give you, you know, six hours of a live show here, and then I need, like, eight minutes of your time at the end of every day uh, to go support a premiere. So, today's premiere is about Twitch's new DMCA time bomb with... What will surprise you, I think, are who are the people doing this, watching TV shows, um, you know, watching TV shows on the Purple Platform, uh, and, you know, what's going on and how this is literally a DMCA ticking time bomb with people who are literally under contract to stream explicitly on Twitch as well as one of their largest streamers. So do me a favor. There is a link in the chat 
I need you to click that link and go hang out just a little bit longer with us over on this premiere. It's premiering in 60 seconds. I will see you guys over there. Thanks so much for the support today, and then I'll see you tomorrow. We got more great coverage this week. We got coverage on Horizon Forbidden West and things going on with the gameplay, and I'm going to say I told you so about certain elements, as well as Elden Ring coverage, some big things coming as well. So make sure you're subbed, make sure your bell button is set to all, hit like on the way out, and I'll see you guys over there for the premiere.